The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Austin left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, so I'm going to cover our butts right here. Allegedly juiced balls. (laughs) Allegedly. What is happening, everybody? God, it was like I was just on the air a little bit ago. Oh, yeah, I was. We're back for A's Cast Live. We've got three hours of a kick-ass program for you today. Commander Cody, what have you rounded up for our guest today? Well, I'm going to save the best one for last, but we got uh, we got Roflo, Robert Flores from the MLB Network coming up at 5 o'clock. All right. The great Shooty Babbitt at 5.30. Love me some Shooty. Uh, Brad Gilbert to talk about Hawkeye and everything tennis can do to help baseball. My old partner, Brad Gilbert. We did shows together back in the day. I'm a big fan of Brad Gilbert. I worked with him as well on Terrestrial Radio at 6 o'clock. 6.30, both of our, we both love this guy. Mike Petriello from MLB.com and StatCast and host of the StatCast podcast at 6.30. And our biggest guest. At 4.30, the president of the Atlantic League, Rick White, will be joining the show. I might be more excited for Rick White than I might have ever been for anybody else. This is going to be fascinating, I promise. The Atlantic League is independent baseball. And basically what has happened with Major League Baseball, they've done a deal with the Atlantic League. And they've said, okay, Atlantic League. And, and I, wonder how it, I wonder how it came about. And I wonder if Major League Baseball is investing money into the Atlantic League. Like, like what, what do they get out of this? So basically, they're a guinea pig league. Rob Manfred and his people, the commissioner of baseball, have said, we want you to try a bunch of different stuff and see how it works. And right now, it's working. And we want to see what really is working and what isn't working in the Atlantic League. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, this is what's going on. And this came out on March 8, 2019. MLB and Atlantic League announced experimental playing rules and equipment changes for the 2019 season. The list of changes is as follows. Home plate umpire assisted in calling balls and strikes by a TrackMan radar tracking system. We have just learned that they've extended this to now use it the entire second half of the season. No mound visits permitted by players or coaches other than for pitching changes or medical issues. So how about that? Manager can't go out. Pitching coach can't go out. Nobody, his team, your teammates as a pitcher can't come to the mound. Nobody can come to the mound. Everybody stay where they are. 
Pitchers must face a minimum of three batters or reach the end of an inning before they exit the game unless the pitcher becomes injured. Increased size of first, second, and third base from 15 inches square to 18 inches square. Require two infielders to be on each side of second base when the pitch is released. Shifting, gone. If not, the ball is dead and the umpire shall call a ball. Time between innings and pitching changes reduced from 205 to 145. Distance from from pitching rubber to home plate extended 24 inches in the second half of the season only with no change to mound height or slope. So they're doing that now. That's kind of a new thing. They've done the second half. So we get to ask, what's working, what's not working with the president of the Atlantic League? Also, something they adopted during the season, something that I've gotten former players to sign on. I got Coco Crisp to sign on, and I got the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey, to sign on. Thought there was no way I could get Fossey. But this is, you can steal first base. So anytime the catcher drops the ball, you have the, you have the, they're doing this, right? They are doing it, yeah. Do, have we figured out, though, what they call it? Is it just a stolen base? So we got to figure out from Rick, we got to figure out from the president, Rick White, when you steal second base, what kind? how is it recorded as a stat? So let's just say uh, you come up, it's the first pitch of your at-bat. They throw a curveball in the dirt. It gets away from the catcher. You can steal first base. Now, how I got Coco into it was that I, I, everything's about stats. And you even heard that in the Bob Melvin show this week, where one of the things that Bob Melvin does with his players when he communicates to them bad news. And bad news is you're not playing. Players don't like to hear they're not playing. That's how they make their living is by getting at-bats and getting innings. But Bob tells them if there's going to be a time they're not going to play, he's going to tell them why. And normally he'll come around to saying, hey, listen, I'm trying to put you in the best possible positions to succeed, and that's going to help you get paid. It's a great way to explain it to players. You know, you don't want to say, well, we got these numbers and uh, the front office, and they're like, yeah, yeah, you're not hitting here. No, Bob is saying, listen, your numbers aren't good here, and I'm trying to keep you from failing because when you fail, that hurts you in arbitration. That hurts you in free agency. So once you start talking money, people start to realize, okay, I understand. So how I got Coco to buy in on it was, okay, I'm not going to call it a stolen base. I'm going to call it a hit. So not only am I going to help your batting average, I'm going to help your on-base percentage. The minute I said that, Coco said, I'm down. I'd love that. Think about left-handed speed guys. You throw a ball in the dirt, it gets away from the catcher. Coco's on first base all day long. That's an easy hit. That's stealing a hit. I'm making him money. Then how I got Fossey on board. You know, Ray Fossey, if you ever hear him here on A's Cast Live, we all have our own scorebooks. I put mine out on Twitter before. I, I get it from this uh, uh, this company down in Morgan Hill. I've put it out there if you want to buy it. Maybe I'll put it back on Twitter and you can see I got a little A's logo on there. But I keep score. I call it the Bible. 
because it's where all my notes are. So, like, after the game today, when the A's lost to the Houston Astros, I put all my nuggets in here. So the A's lost 4-2. to two. So all I have to do is go to the Bible, and I know that Verlander pitched six innings, gave up one run. It wasn't earned, struck out 11. He's 13-4. and four. But here it says right here, Verlander since 2012. How about this? This includes the postseason when he punched the A's out in 12 and 13. Verlander is 12-1 and with a 1.72 ERA against the A's since 2012. Amazing. But getting back to the sport, so uh, everybody has their own style of how they've designed their book. And Ray is the only guy, of course, that has catcher's blocks in his book. And I remember looking at it going, what the, hell, what the heck are you doing, Foss? And you know, then the minute you say that, you're going down that rabbit hole, and Fossey's going to tell you the importance of every single block for a catcher. So he keeps catcher's block. So I said, okay, Foss. Because when I first brought it up, Fossey is not – how do I want to put this? There are some people who are so get off my lawn and think baseball should never change anything. You know, they got that, that game been around for 150 years. Well, there's been changes in baseball. There's been a lot of changes in baseball. And there continues to be changes, and there continues to need to be changes. And that's why the Atlantic League is so fascinating what they're trying to do. Now, you can text me at 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. And I guarantee someone's going to go, stop messing with the game. Well, look at all the changes that have been made in the game. Allowing African-Americans to play and allowing everybody in the world to play. It's a pretty big change. Jackie Robinson helped change society. Something that I learned at the Negro League Museum in Kansas City when I was there with the Raiders, I had to go to it. I highly recommend it. Oh, by the way, and right next door is basically the Jazz Museum. I walked up, this young lady, and I think it was like $7 to get in. And she looked at me. And she was like, well, you know, you can actually do both places if you pay $15. I mean, she acted like, like I'm sorry to ask you, like she was asking me for a grand. It was 15 bucks. <laughs> like, of course I'm going to do it. But I learned that the, the United States military didn't integrate until after Jackie Robinson. How about that? We've got playoff changes. We've got DH. We have all these things that have changed in baseball. So when I said to Fossey, the catcher's block will now be bigger than ever. The catcher's going to need to block the ball so the guy can't steal first base. And by the way, Fossey, they'll now make that a metric, a true metric, and catchers can use that in arbitration. They can use it in free agency. Look how many times I saved you from a base hit by me blocking it. You're going to get paid more. Minute I said that, Fossey's in. Once you what these rules that they're trying to implement, once you when when you're saying I'm gonna I'm gonna affect your pay. How would the players union if, if I can prove that some of these changes are gonna help make people more money? If I came into your workplace. Let's say I'm a consultant and you bring me in. And I come in and I'm saying, I'm going to make some changes here. And at first you're going to feel uncomfortable. 
But if I come in to make changes that eventually is going to get you a pay raise, are you going to be down for it? Is it going to be something you're interested in? You betcha. That's why I'm really Rick White, president of the Atlantic League, coming up at 4.30. How is all of this working? Because I played for you last Friday. Buster Only and Keith Law from ESPN, they both said it's inevitable that the robo-um's coming. How's it working? We'll ask Rick White. Then, and that's the big thing about having Brad Gilbert on today, tennis expert, not just that he's a big A's fan, he knows about Hawkeye. Hawkeye's the new system that baseball will be adopting next year, replacing TrackMan, and Hawkeye is what they use in tennis. And watching Wimbledon, it remind me just how good and how accurate this Hawkeye is. They know within the second if that ball was on the line or not on the line. Was it in? Was it out? No more John McEnroe, you can't be serious, and yelling at the, those days are over. You can still complain, but the technology shows you the ball was in or the ball was out. They're going to be able to do that with baseball. Is it a strike or is it a ball? And then that spurs the even different debate on is that going to help pitchers or is that going to help hitters? I'm of the belief it'll be the, one of the greatest things that ever happens to the game. Not just because of accuracy, but I think it's going to speed the games up dramatically. You're going to see guys swing in early because if pitchers are throwing strikes, there's going to be no more of this throw the ball down the middle or throw the ball inside the strike zone and the umpire calling it a ball. That happens every single game. Now there's going to be a strike zone. There's going to be the same. A player will have his strike zone. Altuve or Judge, talk about polar opposite, they will have their strike zone, and it will not change. That may help the hitter because now he knows exactly what is a strike and what isn't. But your strike zone is not going to change. Your strike zone changes every game based on the umpire of what they call and what they see. Human error. That will be gone. All right, coming up next, I want to get into, we thought free agency was cold. The trade deadline, it's shivering cold. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. All right. I'm looking at uh, Hoppus website. That is the brewery in Willow Glen, San Jose where I'm taking Cody today. You know what the only downer about a brewery can be is when you have like a favorite brew, you have a favorite beer, and they're always changing stuff. And my favorite beer, they don't have it. Come on, man. Do you want a cool brewery? Hoppus Brewery is, is, uh, is fantastic here in the South Bay. Give them a little love. We'll be there around 7.15 if you want to come by and say, the, the guy, the bobblehead, who won the bobblehead, the Matt Olson bobblehead. We said we meet him for beers. Do we remember? Do we know his number? we have his number? 
Uh, I believe we have it somewhere. He also won the uh, Blake Tron and Sign Baseball, too, which is the darndest thing that it happened, but he won both. Ever since trying and signed that ball. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> hey, what do you mean? He pitched a scoreless outing today. Oof. What happened to Blake Trinan? My God. Guy went from having, like, the greatest year ever as a reliever, and he's got, like, a 4-3-5 ERA. Do you, do you think Melvin even thought about bringing him in last night when he brought in Surya? No, no, no. Funny, we were both on the phone at the same time when Soria came in. Oh, I just knew it. You knew it. You're like, oh, this is, they're going to tie it. They're going to tie it. Great win, though. Okay. We were told that this trading deadline, ooh, this trading deadline's going to be juicy. Juicy Lucy. Oh, my God. There's going to be so much movement. You know why? Because there's no waiver wire acquisitions. No one's going through waivers after the 31st. This is a hard deadline. And just like free agency last year. Hey, hey Billy, how do you think this? Hey, Billy, you think this is going to be a heated, uh, this is Billy Bean. Do you think this is going to be a, a heated trading deadline? 47 doubles, sir. There's something going on with modern day executives that they are just. I don't know what it is. There's no more wheelers and dealers anymore. Remember Jack McKeon? They called him Trader Jack. There, there's, there's everybody. They operate in fear. They operate in fear of a bad deal, in fear of giving up prospects, in fear, skirmish. No one wants to do anything. Well, they want to do it, but they can't pull the trigger. Oh, this team's talked to this, and this, and and if you think, check this out. Basically, since Jay Bruce was acquired in early June, we've seen three trades from contenders. The Yankees picked up Edwin Encarnacion mid June. The Red Sox got Andrew Kashner on July 13th, and the A's picked up Homer Bailey on July 14th. That's it. That is it. And I'll give you one tonight that really doesn't make sense. But here you go. Marcus Stroman has been linked to a bunch of different teams. He's starting tonight. Why is he starting? You would think, I'm not starting this guy. What if he gets hurt? What if something happens? I wouldn't start him. Mike Miner also is starting tonight. He's rumored to be going somewhere. I wouldn't be starting him either. I mean, what if somebody hits a line drive back up the box and hits him, you know? Well, it shows you, obviously, they're not close to trading him then. Look what we saw last year in free agency. Everybody is afraid. And this is why people talk about they're worried about labor stoppage when the CBA's up. Because these, these new executives, are, are, are they're, they're holding their pennies, man. They don't want to spend big money. Now, a lot of guys have gotten quality extensions, so I don't necessarily buy that. I mean, you look at the A's. People think one of the reasons why the A's have trouble landing the big deal is because all of their, all of their commodities are almost big league-ready guys. So you're not going to trade Puck, and you're not going to trade Lizardo. 
teams value prospects. I don't know. We can ask Shooty Babbitt this, who's been in the game a long time in the front office and scouting. Do they value prospects now more than ever? Is that the case? And is it because, you know, it's about the value, it's about team control, blah, 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 blah. I mean, babe, you know I love this game. But, man, I'm not sure I love I love the philosophies of these new these newer front office people. Spend money, man. It's not your money. Baseball is making a ton of money. Every single organization is worth over a billion dollars. If John Fisher wanted to sell right now, he could sell for over a billion dollars. What did he pay for it? 140, 145? You think that's a good investment? He spent like 140 million or whatever it was. I know it was two. It was whatever, whatever it was. It was under 200 million. If you pay under 200 million and you could flip it later on for over a billion dollars, you think that's a good investment? My San Jose State math says that's a pretty good investment. I know, Co- I don't even know. I can't even remember where the hell you went to college, Cody. What, college of America in Pennsylvania. What, the, what was it called? California University of Pennsylvania. I'm still waiting, by the way. California University of Pennsylvania. That makes sense. Uh, I told you, my biggest rival is Lou Trevino because uh, Slippery Rock of his college. Oh, when Slippery Rock and California of Pennsylvania get together. They clash this year on my 31st birthday. I can't wait. I'm, t- I'm telling Lou we need to get together and watch it because uh, I think combined between the both of us, we want to one football game the entire time either of us was in college. I got a good feeling that won't be on television. Uh, I don't think it's going to make it out here. But what uh, what what uh, what 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 level of uh... Division Two PSAC Conference? Okay, so you're at least Division yeah. Two okay. Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference. All right, shout all it right, out. All right. I'm still waiting for my letter from them, letting me know that I'm going to either be or not be a member of the top twenty under forty club. Still waiting. I'm a finalist. Still waiting. Wow, that's a that's I, really impressive. It's a prestigious list. award. They owe me. Yeah, I hear you. Wow, that's really impressive. But you got you got names out here that. Marcus Stroman, I'd take him. Mike Miner, I'd take him. What are they going to do with Bumgarner? I mean, the Giants, the Giants actually, since they've won 18 of 22, do they lose today? They end up losing today? So they've won 18 of 23. They're kind of a linchpin in this whole thing. Because now that they're winning again and that the wild card's right there, do they want to part with Will Smith? I'd take him in the A's bullpen in a second. Madison Bumgarner would take him in a second. Zach Wheeler was a big name, but he's gone on the IL with shoulder fatigue, so you're not trading for him. Felipe Vasquez. Felipe Vasquez, I mean, this guy blows smoke, and he's dirt cheap for a closer. Right? You, you're my, uh, Go to my resident Pirate fan. Uh, as a as a Pirates fan, lifelong, um, he is nasty coming out of the ninth inning. The I believe he's they call him the nightmare. That's I mean, that, how many closes are called the nightmare? But cheap. He has a couple years of control under him, and he throws gas. Uh, Over the next two seasons, the Pirates only owe him twelve point five million dollars. Put it this way: Joaquin Soria makes more than he does. Yeah. What does that tell you? That's just another guy the Nats gave up on too soon, like Blake Trinan and, and guys they've given up on, but. I, I, I want you know. How about Trevor Bauer? Trevor, I'm a big Bauer guy. I'm we're reading. I'm reading the book that we got from Travis Shawchick, the 
the MVP machine, the stuff in there about Trevor Bauer is fascinating. We will have a very funny line from Trevor Bauer coming up here uh, later in the program. I didn't know this. I learned this today. Trevor Bauer made a bet with his friends, and it might be one of the dumbest bets I've ever heard of. Kirby Yates with the Padres got a ton of saves. Like, you got all these guys that are out there that could help you. You've got seven days to pull the trigger. Seven. That's it. Do you want to make your team better? Hey, look look at look at the teams that have won the World Series the past couple years, right? Didn't they all make at least one deal? We we talked about that. I mean, think back. The Cubs got Chapman. I mean, there's there's been a deal done. For the last three World Series winners, they had a significant trade that they did. It goes all the way back to 2010 when the Giants got Javier Lopez. Every year, a team has made a move. Every year since 2010? The, the Royals got Cueto. Uh, 2015 would have been the Royals. So 2016 would have been the Cubs. They got Chapman. 2017, the Astros got Verlander. Last year, the, the Red Sox went out and got Nathan Avoldi from the Rays. Everybody made a deal. So, yeah, now we got to see what happens now. i, I got to go back to think – the Giants made smaller moves when they won in 2012. What, Cardinals won in 11. What did they do? Uh, they got like three guys. I remember one of them being Mark Zepchinsky. Uh, Zep, how do you say his last name? The lefty. The A's had him for a while. Zepchinsky. Zepchinsky, yeah. They had him, and they added two other guys at the deadline. And Okay, so basically eight straight World Series title teams made significant deals. I think Verlander is a pretty significant deal. I just don't know. And we'll ask David Force. We're going to have him on Friday at 5 o'clock. Why has this been so chilly? Why has it been so frigid? Why are why are executives? Because Billy Bean's not that way. He's I mean, They've made a trade. they got Homer Bailey. Bean's not a, Bean and Force are not tr- afraid to make moves. Why do they think other people in this business, and it's also kind of like other front offices are like scared to look bad, like, oh, we don't look like we lost the deal. Coming up next, I hope, is going to be the most fascinating interview we have ever done. We are going to be speaking with the president of the Atlantic League, the league that could be, I said it yesterday, buying or selling, could the Atlantic League be one of the most influential leagues in baseball history? Could be. If all these changes come to baseball and they make baseball better, we'll look back at the Atlantic League and go, Rick White and his league, meant a lot. We're going to learn about everything they're doing in this Atlantic League with the president Rick White next right here on A's Cast Live. Want to add to your collection of A's memorabilia but can't make it to the Coliseum? During every weekend home series, the Oakland A's Community Fund will hold a digital silent auction through the MLB Ballpark app. You can bid on rare memorabilia items, including baseballs, jerseys, bats, game-used equipment, and autographed items. Proceeds from the silent auction benefit the Oakland A's Community Fund and its initiatives in the community. Download the app at athletics.com slash ballpark app. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. 
Two of baseball's most iconic franchises go head-to-head -head beginning on Tuesday, August 20th. Here comes the judge. As the New York Yankees come to the town to take on the A's. He hits a judgey in blast into the right field seat. Don't miss out on Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, and the rest of the Bronx Bombers as Matt Chapman, Chris Davis, and the swinging A's look to defend their home turf. Miraculous comeback by the A's in the ninth pitch. Games 1 and 2 begin at 7.07 p.m. with the final game of the three-game series beginning at 6.37. Don't miss out on your chance to see the next chapter of this rivalry between two of Major League Baseball's most historic teams. The New York Yankees have won the 2018 wildcard game, an abrupt end to a remarkable season for the Oakland Athletics. As the A's seek revenge, get your tickets today at athletics.com slash tickets, athletics.com slash tickets tickets. Looking to understand what makes the A's tick? With weekly shows with manager Bob Melvin and general manager David Forst, now you get the inside scoop into the green and gold. Download A's cast today or head to athletics.com slash podcast to get started. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the future A's program presented by Kaiser Permanente. The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com future for more information. Hey, this is Fred of the B-52s, and whenever my flying saucer is over Oakland, I listen to A's cast live. Now back to A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. B-52s, big fans of A's Cast Live, huh? You have no idea how many people are listening to this. By the way, I said thank you to everybody yesterday during the broadcast. We're, we're getting the data in. We're getting some really good numbers. San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose. What was fourth? Hayward was fourth. Sacramento was fifth. We got a lot of people listening in Sac. A lot of great A's fans up in Sac and in the Valley. Oh, my God. MLB just sent this out. Witnessing greatness as Mike Trout improved. Not only is he hitting more home runs than ever before, he's crushing them harder and farther. Well, yeah, because of the baseball. No doubt the greatness of Mike Trout. Mike Trout just getting better. That is really, really hard to believe. Look at all the great players the A's have had in their division over the years. King Griffey Jr., A-Rod. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. Well, I told you this was going to be fascinating. He's the president of the Atlantic League. Rick White joins us here on A's Cast Live. Rick, we truly appreciate the time, and we are fascinated to learn about all the different things you're doing in your league, what's working, and what you think is not working. Thank you for coming on today. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. First off, how did this deal come down between your league and Major League Baseball? It's, it's largely unknown outside of our relationship with MLB, but we've had a formal relationship with the commissioner's office now for roughly five years. We send so many players back to big league organizations that 
it was essential at the time that we create a working agreement to govern that transmission. And since that time, we've become more close to the commissioner's office. One thing led to another. And in December at the winter meetings, they approached us with what has now become the partnership where we are testing MLB rules and initiatives and in exchange, uh, they are helping us out with some of the resources they can provide that we could really use to make our league run better. Oh, it's it's wonderful. And I'm I'm not a get off my lawn kind of guy. I, I, I like change. I like to see constantly trying to improve the game. And the one thing that I'm really fascinated about is TrackMan. When we're looking at the radar tracking system, calling balls and strikes, a lot of people like to call it robo-ump. You guys have extended that now to the end of the season. Tell me how it's working for you. Well, so far we've tested it and then we've unveiled it at our All-Star game here a couple of weeks ago. Tomorrow night we go live in all of our games and we'll satisfy that through the conclusion of our season in September. Our tests have gone marvelously. Uh, We've had the opportunity now to train all of our umpires. We have run countless numbers of tests with the communication equipment that has been utilized to connect the TrackMan advanced analytics system to the umpires themselves and back to the TrackMan operator. Uh, That took a little bit of doing. TrackMan itself has never been in question. It is accurate. It is reliable. It's been used by Major League Baseball for well over a decade. So that part's great. The transmission to the umpires is being utilized on a Wi-Fi system. And like any other technology, there are sometimes interruptions that we have to troubleshoot. But we're in a position now where we feel quite confident that the games are going to run seamlessly and they will be extraordinarily ordinary. How are the players taking it, pitchers and hitters? Do they like it, dislike it? What is the feedback? I, I will, I will uh, answer by way of illustration. The very first time we tra- tested the ABS system, we apprised our managers that we were going to be conducting those tests, and the first thing that we had to do was to set up the system, set up the communications, outfit an umpire, get him in uniform and in pads behind a catcher with a BP pitcher on the mound. Out of nowhere, there were 50 players. Virtually everybody on both rosters came out with their mobile devices, and they started taking literally photographs of what was going on. They started shooting videos. They started interviewing each other. And each of these players was giddy with excitement and incredibly attuned to the fact that they were part of something much bigger than themselves, bigger than our league. And they understand that this could impact the game for years to come. Almost to a person, they are enthusiastic, they're excited, they are anxious to participate And on a uh, playing level, pitchers like the fact that we're now calling 100% of the rule book strike zone, we've given them back the gift of the high strike that hasn't been called throughout professional baseball for decades. 
Hitters are excited because the strike zone will be consistent from day to day, park to park, umpire to umpire, believe it or not, inning to inning. And these guys are good. They're that far away from Major League Baseball, and they can adjust to the full strike zone. So both hitters and pitchers are tremendously excited, and they want to get it on. So tomorrow night is as big for them as it is for the league. In your opinion, will we see this in Major League Baseball soon? I think we will see automated balls and strikes in Major League Baseball. I can't tell you with any accuracy how long that could be. I think the logical next step is that next year what we're doing will be transferred to AAA, perhaps AA affiliated ball. But in Major League Baseball, there are a couple of hurdles that have to be passed before this can be utilized. Now, I'm assuming from what I read and what my players tell me, that the MLB players will be equally enthusiastic. But in Major League Baseball, they have to overcome a challenge that we don't, and that is the Major League Baseball Umpires Association. Major League Baseballs are protected by Major League Baseball umpires are protected by an advocacy group. They have the concerns you would expect they would have out of any advocacy group or union. And they have increasingly been public about uh, a skeptical uh, stance regarding automated balls and strikes. I dare say, though, as they learn more and they see the example set by our umpires, they will learn that we are not compromising jobs. In fact, we're probably asking more of our umpires than ever before. And I don't believe that we are compromising compensation. Again, we're not advocating the elimination of an umpire, nor is anybody at Major League Baseball. And, in fact, our umpires cannot be nonchalant. If they think that the system is going to do the work for them, they will quickly find out that they are in over their heads. Um, there is an override system in our league around the test, which says for actions such as a hit by pitch, a check swing, a swing through the, the strike zone with a pitch that otherwise would be called a ball for catcher's interference, for a ball that strikes the infield dirt but bounces up through the strike zone, our umpires have to be alert and be ready to call that, in addition to running the game and calling all the plays at the plate. So this is not an easy task. And I think as people begin to understand this, they will, they will realize that MLB, through their test, is honoring umpires. They are treating them in a very traditional manner. No one is compromising the umpires in any way. And we're doing it in a way that is supposed to look traditional. Uh, that's why I said extraordinarily ordinary. If we do this right, our guests at our games are going to say, wow, those guys called a great game tonight. But they're not going to say there was some looming umpire or machine looking over their shoulder determining the balls and strikes. So uh, when we unveiled this at our all-star game, I think most of our fans went home and said, that was a really fun game, and wow, that was great. And, oh, by the way, they used 
they used uh, TrackMan to call balls and strikes. I didn't even realize they were doing it. That, that's what I think we're ultimately going to get to. Now, the one that's controversial for a lot of people, and follow the Atlantic League on Twitter, at AtlanticLG, is the pitcher has to face three batters. And a lot of people up here, I've heard, they don't like, they, they just, they can't get their arms around it. So tell me, how, how is that rule working? First, let me talk about the rationale. Um, Major League Baseball has only suggested to us test initiatives that have been heavily researched, that are in response to that research, and for which they have a very clear criteria in terms of what they're trying to address. In the case of a minimum three-batter appearance rule, MLB is responding to fans who say, do we really need to go pitch by pitch, batter by batter, with seemingly endless relief pitchers coming in to face a lefty and then a different pitcher to come in and face a righty and so forth and so on. Uh, Thus far for us, this has been one of the easier tests to uh, work on. First of all, our pitchers, once they understood the vagaries of the rule, had no issue with it whatsoever. They know they're going to come in to face batters. They know that if they continue past the inning's end, they will be completing three full plate appearances. And I haven't heard a word from pitchers regarding how this has affected them. I think in some quarters there's a bit of relief because our pitchers don't want to come out, face one batter, and go in and take a shower. They really are competitors. They're warriors. They want to succeed. And frankly, I think they appreciate the looks that this is giving them with MLB scouts and folks who evaluate advanced analytical data on the player development side. Another one that's fascinating to me is the batter being able to take first base at any time when the catcher, if there's a pass ball, wild pitch, whatever. My thing is, how does it get scored? Is it scored a base hit? Is it scored a stolen base? What are you? What's the reward for a hitter? Let's let's remember that this is a test, and in this test in particular, Major League Baseball does not, in their current statistics and scoring system, have a way to accurately score this play. So we started and went for a long weekend with this play being ruled a fielder's choice. We and Major League Baseball quickly realized that we were disincented the batter to become a batter runner and try to get on to first base because even though they would be successful getting on first base, it was hurting them in terms of a plate appearance without a hit and therefore their batting average suffered. So currently... The play is being called a base on balls. Uh, The intuition here is it correctly penalizes the defensive team, if not with the same precision MLB would like. But what they are going to do at the conclusion of the season is go back in and create a special ruling specifically for stealing first base that – will be retroactive for all the players in our league. But at the same time, we'll take into account the risk the batter-runner is taking 
and also the defensive liability for allowing that to happen, whether it's a wild pitch or a pass ball. Don't forget, though, that if the batter runner is thrown out at first base, it's a simple force play. So then it does become a fielder's choice or a, a simple, uh, in this case, two-to-one put out. Let's end on this. Out of all the stuff you're doing, what have you said, yeah, I don't think this works? The, you know, it, it is not for us to criticize or to evaluate the success of tests. That's up to Major League Baseball because these are truly their tests. But if there's one where I think that someday there will be an adjustment for us, it is on the zero mound visits per game rule. Uh, currently, a pitcher can only be visited by the manager to either be relieved as, of his responsibilities and replaced by a relief pitcher or be removed for purposes having to do with his health, i.e. if he's injured. Um, we think, uh, or our pitchers have fed back to us, that they would like at least one mound visit to be allowed, especially for starters. Uh, they really do think there's something to this notion that if you get yourself in trouble, you can recover. But it's nice to have your composure aided by a pitching coach or a manager. I don't know if that is ever going to make a difference. We've expressed that view to the folks at MLB. Their thinking is, let's give this a test. Let's see how, how uh, we can deal with this in the future. In some regards, we are a victim of our own success. We were the first professional league to put a limit on mound visits or, or on-field conferences during the game. Our limit last year was three. Um, Managers or infielders would only confer on two occasions because they were always trying to save that last one through the end of a game. Uh, so Major League Baseball picked up on that, and they said, let's try zero. I think there will probably be a happy medium down the road. But, again, it is not for us to make that evaluation. It's entirely up to MLB. Rick, I told people before you came on, I said, this is going to be fascinating, and you absolutely delivered Thank you so much for the time. And if there's anything you ever want to promote, we would love to have you on again. Well, we're absolutely flattered at your interest in the league. Thanks so much, and I'll look forward to the next time. Thank you, Rick. Take care. Rick White, president of the Atlantic League. Wow. Wow. Is it just me? Is it just me? No, it's not just you. That was fascinating you, stuff. We're big baseball fans, yeah, and we're big into – everything going on and you know we're, we're baseball dorks that uh, wow that's one of the coolest interviews i've done in a long time no offense to everybody else i wish we had my drop no offense um there's a lot to get into there there is a lot players love it players love it and by the way I'm not right a lot. <laughs> I was totally right about the stolen. The, the, you have to give the hitter a reason to steal first base. That's why I was like, make it a base hit. Because now I'm, I, I, I'm helping your batting average, and I'm helping your on-base percentage. You can't tell me that it's a fielder's choice. I'm hurting my batting average. I'd never do it. That would be stupid. And I think just calling it like a walk is not enough. You've got to incentivize guys to want to take that risk. Risk and reward. 
What's the risk? What's the reward? When it's a good reward, guys will do it. Players love the electric strike zone. How about that? Why? Well, because now they know it's a strike. I can, if you played baseball at any level, how fried do you get as a pitcher when you know you threw a strike and they don't call it a strike, especially in a key moment? And then the next pitch you give up a bomb or a double. Same thing as a hitter. The statistics show when you're down in the count, you're not as good. That's a reality. It's coming. Get ready, and you're going to love it. Change is not bad. Think about everybody. Uh, I can't believe they're changing the playoff system. Are you telling me the wild card has been bad for baseball? Are you kidding me? If you're old enough to remember, back in the day, like, I don't remember this, but there was a time where one team won the National League, one team won the American League, and they just played a World Series. Everybody else, bye-bye, you're out. There were less playoffs back in the day. I remember when I was a kid, you either won the you won the West or you won the East. And then they played each other, and the winner then went to the World Series. Then they made three divisions, threw in a wild card. Now they've thrown in a second wild card. And now I was, where, 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 well, okay, here you go. Jeff Passan wrote this on ESPN. Think about this. There's 15 teams in the National League. Look how many teams in the National League potentially are in this thing. Are you telling me that's bad for baseball? That's bad for, for, for all these different cities and the interest that happens for your fan base? Let's just go through that for a second. You have every team in the National League take the division leaders out. Only the Marlins are done. Technically, they're 15 and a half games out of the second wild card. You have the Reds, the Mets, the Pirates, the Rockies, the Padres, the Giants, the D-backs, the Brewers, the Phillies, the Cardinals, and the Nationals all in it. Nationals lead right now. They lead the top wild card, and essentially, percentage points, you got the Cardinals and the Phillies basically tied for the second. Every single team legitimately ha- I mean seven can be raced the Giants have just proven that with their winning streak you can tell me the wild card has been bad for baseball when has it ever been bad for business to have more meaningful games please someone tell me how that is really the NFL is so you know the NFL expanded their playoffs that's been a big failure boy their television contract sucks Really? How about the NBA? How about the NHL? Change in baseball works. It's helped. And RoboUmp, to me, will be awesome. It's going to speed the game up. What do you say? Pitchers love it. Why? Because their strikes are now called strikes every time. No more can a player be angry. You know, the Aaron Boone coming out and yelling at that kid, the new umpire, that those days are over. A strike is a strike and a ball is a ball. Hitters like it because now they have – what did Rick just say? 
on a night to night, there's consistency. My, no matter what park I play in, no matter where I am, my con, everything's consistent. Who in their life doesn't want consistency? You want chaotic? Well, that's what you get in baseball. And that's what you get in other sports. Look at the NBA. Makeup calls. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. Hey, they don't call anything at the end of the game. A foul in the a foul in the, foul in the first quarter is not a foul in the fourth quarter. That's that's inconsistent. The refs in football don't want to call pass interference at the end of the game. They they don't want to be the story. This takes that out. This is it. The most important thing you have is the confrontation between the hitter and the batter. That's baseball. The game does not start until the pitcher throws the pitch. So the most important thing, hitter, pitcher. And now, inconsistency, chaos, gone. Now everybody knows. And when it gets called a strike, you're not going to look back and complain. You're not going to have a, a, a pitcher mad dogging a umpire. A strike is a strike and a ball is a ball. And it doesn't matter what inning. And it doesn't matter what game. The problem has never been technology. The problem is the human error. Now we put the technology in. Umpire strike zones change. They change during the game. They change during the importance of a game. All that gone. And what did he say? Players love it. Hitters love it. Pitchers love it. I, I was a little shocked that the one thing he thinks, and I, I understand he's got to mind his P's and Q's because it's Major League Baseball's test, and obviously Major, Major League Baseball's probably floating him cash, floating him equipment, bats, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, the, not being able to go out and talk to the pitcher. I You know, the rule about you have to face three guys what pitcher wants to come out anyway? Why a pitcher's not going to have a problem with that? The people are not going to like it. Are going to are going to be the uh, the analytics people, and maybe the manager. But players, what, what what player really only wants to come in for one batter? And the only guys on your roster who are those guys anyway are left-handed relievers, specialists. Every pitcher wants to come in and get multiple outs. They're not going to have a problem. So when you really start diving into this, what's the one thing play? play you know, I, I, we couldn't get into the entire, all the rules, like bigger bases and the mounds a little bit further. But I want to get into the, the, the key stuff, and it sounds like the players don't have a problem with any of it. The only thing is they'd like the pitching coach to be able to come out every once in a while, settle you down a little bit. Fascinating stuff. Coming up next, we've been killing it with MLB Network guys. This guy used to be on ESPN. Now he's the co-host of MLB Central. Robert Flores is going to join us next right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Austin left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will. 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody fell 
Hits one out. Pete Alonso. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, yeah. Hour number two. You can watch Robert Flores, co-host of MLB Central weekdays at 7 a.m. Pacific. Plus, MLB Network will feature the Yanks at the Red Sox tomorrow and Friday at 4 p.m. Of course, Yankees, Red Sox. Yeah, you talk talk about two teams that need robo-ump so their games are not – they play – the games in London – one game was four hours and 42 minutes. The other game was four hours and 24 minutes. I mean, my God. Who's got five hours to sit there and watch a game? Yankees played a long game last night, too, against the Twins. How like, long was that game? It was uh, almost five hours long, 14, 12 Almost final. five hours. Let me drop a nuggy nug for you. Are you calling him right now? Yeah, real quick. The Yankees are 2-0 in games where they allow 12 or more runs. The rest of baseball is 2-127. and 127. Almost five hours. That is unbelievable. Do we have Robert? Not yet? Five hours. Like, who, who, has, who has that kind of time? I'm getting paid to be there, and I have a hard time. I can't keep score for five hours. They cut off beer sales in the seventh. You're there for another two hours? As a fan? That would be unbelievable. Do we have Robert? Robert, it's Chris Townsend with A's Cast Live. We appreciate we appreciate you taking the time. Hey, how are you guys? We're doing phenomenal, and you know what? We've basically had your entire cast of MLB Central on. We had we had D-Row on last week, so it's always great to have uh, the guys from the network because you know it, it, things have changed so much in baseball. When, when we all started, first started covering this game, when you were in the clubhouse, it was always on ESPN. Now everywhere you go, yeah. it's, on, it's, on, it's on the network. And for us baseball junkies, we're watching it 24-7. That's one of the things that we uh, are aware of and take pride in is that we know that uh, the players are watching, the coaches are watching, uh, front office people are watching. So uh, we to be as informative as as possible and uh, make sure that uh, we're you know we're 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 going right by them and, and as accurate and as entertaining as possible. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, for what you guys do, and you do a great job doing, is when you do stuff in the morning, it's not as hardcore as you're doing it actually during games at night. You, you got to have fun when you do a morning show. Yeah, and we try. I mean, we have we have a good group. We have. Uh, uh, Lauren and, and Dero are great to work with, and, and our whole crew behind the scenes, our producer, our uh, our editors, and uh, it, it's really a collaborative effort. We have a lot of creative people, and, and you're right, you you want to try to put a different spin uh, on the on the highlights that that people have been seeing throughout the early morning, and uh, you know try to have a little fun and not take to our not take ourselves too seriously. That's I think that's the key for uh, for us to be successful. Yeah, and I, and I think about for, like, your career, it's kind of like what we're doing here. We're the only team in baseball 
that is allowed to have this. We're on the TuneIn app. It's a 24-7 station where you can hear the game, you can hear the pre and the post game, and then, of course, we have this live talk show, and everybody in baseball is really embracing it because this really is the future where teams will eventually break away from terrestrial radio. You kind of did the same thing with your career all these years watching on ESPN to leave the mothership to go to the network. That had to be a huge thing for you in your career. Yeah, I, I was at, at ESPN uh, for 11 years, and it was great, and it was um, it was everything that I had dreamed of as a kid. But you know, just like the athletes that we cover and the and the players that we cover, sometimes you just need a change and new challenges, new new environments, and um, it doesn't mean that you weren't uh, you, you weren't happy at, at for, for most of your tenure at one place you just want something new and, and MLB network was uh, was uh, uh, good enough to uh, offer me a spot almost four years ago and and it's been great yeah what is it like baseball every day all day 365 well I, I tell you I've I've learned um, so much about the game and just from being around uh, our analysts and uh, just looking at the game a different way, um, learning about strategy, learning about what players do to, you know, or what they're doing in the game, what they're doing before the game. So I've certainly gained a new appreciation for just how, uh, how difficult this game is, um, you know, and, and it's a testament to, to the talent that, that these guys have, because oftentimes they make make it look so easy, but, uh, when you talk to our analysts at MLB Network, they can tell you just how difficult it is to play this game day in and day out, much less to do it at a high level. You can watch Robert co-host MLB Central out here on the West Coast at 7 a.m. Plus, MLB Network will feature the Yankees and the Red Sox tomorrow and Friday at 4 p.m. You know, we are talking about this earlier where it, it, it's just there's been no movement. There's been very little movement. Mm-hmm. You look at the Yankees made a move, the Red Sox made a move, and the A's made a move, and that's pretty much it. And kind of like the yeah. offseason, we didn't see a whole lot in free agency. We, we were supposed to have this crazy dead, deadline this year because of no waiver wire process after the 31st, and, and it's just gone cold. Why do you think? Well, I think that, I, that the deadline for me, I think it's a little early. Uh, I would like to see the one deadline push back to, say, August 15th. Give, t- uh, give teams a little bit more time to figure out who they are, where they are in the standings. Um, I mean, look, look at the, the, the wild card standings. It, it is jam-packed in both the AL and National League. Uh, the National League Central is very tight. Um, the, the American League East it looks like the Yankees are going to win it. The Astros have opened up a, a little bit of room on the Oakland A's. Uh, but there are so many teams still in it. And I also think that what the San Francisco Giants have done recently has really thrown a monkey wrench into what this, was, what this deadline was supposed to look like because they were going to be sellers. And Madison Bumgarner was going to be a big high-ticket item, a big piece uh, for for a team to go after, so with them going on this unbelievable run, it has put them, it's put Farhan Zaidi in a very difficult position. I think he has the most difficult choice to make in this next uh, few days. So I think that's really thrown a monkey wrench into what should have been. But 
and maybe put it back a couple of weeks. And then you think about all these executives. They value prospects more than ever. Have your analysts mm-hmm. talked about that? Yeah, I think it is. It's a couple of factors. Look, the I think players come into the game um, better prepared. They're they're more skillful uh, than were than say their predecessors predecessors generations ago. And and look, um, young controllable talent is is something that appeals for a variety of reasons to the teams. Um, I, I will say this that. We, we place so much emphasis on prospects. We know about them earlier than in years past. We know about them when they're in A ball or when they're in double A ball, but not, but that doesn't mean that all of them are going to uh, make a splash at the big league level. Um, it, it's a fine line. I, it's a very, very difficult uh, tightrope to walk for these general managers and these, these vice presidents of baseball ops is what, what is the, you know, what, what is the tactic? Are you winning now? Are you going for it at the expense of maybe down the road? It's a very, very fine line to walk. And with so many people bunched up in the national league, you don't want to tell your fan base, you're not trying. And that really is a tough thing for a lot of these front offices as you, you know, you're, you're sniffing around 500. You might be a little bit over a little bit under, but what a bad message to start selling people off when you actually have a shot at the wild card. Yeah. I mean, on, on one hand you can say, look, even if we get to the wild card, can we win beyond just one game? Uh, can we make a serious run? But on the other hand, if you're, um, you know, if, if you can just get in, I mean, playoff appearances are hard. They're not just handed out. You, you, you don't know what's going to happen year in and year out. So while you can plan for the future at the same time, you've got to figure out what is right. Because if, if we have a shot, if we're in the mix, maybe we go for it because we didn't, we don't know if we'll be back in this position. I mean, we talked about the giants. I think the Atlanta Braves are, are in a difficult position, not as difficult as what the giants are, but they have so many prospects. They are talent rich at the various levels below the major league level, but yet they are a viable contender in the national league. So do you give up some of that young controllable talent and the effort of really going for it and really adding some big pieces for your stretch drive? Yeah. What we've seen over the last couple of years and really for the most part, going back to 2010 is that the teams that have won the world series they've made pretty much a, a significant splash, whether it was Evaldi last year, Verlander mm-hmm. the year before, or Oldis Chapman the year before that for the Cubs. So talk about that, well, bringing another big name into your clubhouse, how that's such a huge shot in the arm. Well, listen, you, you just detailed it, right, is that uh, when, when game changers walk into your clubhouse, I imagine that these guys are thinking, okay, let's go. This is, it, it, this is a... Uh, someone that changes the room, changes the dynamic. Um, you know, I think Madison Bumgarner is one of those guys. Um, but again, what what do the Giants do? I mean, Bruce Bochy, this is his final year. Do you owe it to that room, that clubhouse, that fan base to to add instead of sell? Um, but but you're right. Uh, I I don't know. But Bumgarner is the big is the big key. He's the big name. To a lesser extent, I think uh, Marcus Stroman is certainly someone that could um, could be an a, a extra added piece. I, I think Trevor Bauer 
uh, is is a little bit of is definitely a game changer. But again, what does Cleveland? Do? I mean, Cleveland's fighting for the division title. They're right in it. But um, so there's some very difficult decisions that are going to have to be made here very quickly. Let's end on this. We before we had you on had Rick White on the president of the Atlantic League. And we're going all yeah. through all the – it really is fascinating. And they're now going to go with what we're calling robo-ump the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had to ask, I said, you know, how do the hitters like it? How do the pitchers like it? He said both, both sides absolutely love it. How much are you guys paying attention to what they're doing in the Atlantic League? Yeah, we're paying a close attention to it. We've talked about it a couple of times in the morning, um, not only the, the, the robo-ump or the electronic strike zone, but – the idea of, again, another uh, Atlantic League rule where you can, quote unquote, steal first, which I think is, uh, I think is very fascinating. I mean, you talk about a, an extra dynamic. Uh, it, it almost uh, screams to the traditional leadoff hitter. So I, I'm all for trying things. I, I'm, I'm glad that Major League Baseball is in partnership with the Atlantic League to try some of these new initiatives and just see if it works. And if if they work at this level, let's try them at the big league level. And if everyone hates it at the big league level, we'll scrap it and go back to to you know the the old rules. But there's nothing wrong with trying new things. And and I just wish that uh, um, baseball uh, as an industry would be a little bit more flexible when it comes to uh, trying new things or, or tweaking things or making some rule changes. Um, because there's nothing wrong with trying something new. Well, been a big fan of your work for a long time, and you guys do an outstanding job on the MLB Network and with your morning show. Thank you so much for the time, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Robert Flores from MLB Central, 7 a.m. on the MLB Network. I think he's right. What he just said at the end, I think he's dead right. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live, broadcasting from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. Commander Cody just made a very good point. What, what, what's up with everybody from the MLB Network and their cell phone service is terrible? Something's got to be going on in New Jersey. Brian Kenny's cell phone is bad. Mark, phone. De, Mark DeRosa had problems with his phone. Flores had a little issue right there. I think the only guy that actually had a good connection was Dan Plesak because I begged uh, Lou from the MLB Network who set it up, does he have a landline we can call him on? Now, you notice Rick White, who we had on the president of the Athletic League, Atlantic League, perfect connection because he's a landline. A good producer always asks for a landline. Yes, got to get a landline. But now, now millennials, like myself and – I don't know you don't. I, you probably don't even have a landline. No, 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 no. My, oh my god! My parents, you know, my dad will be sixty soon. My parents are in their mid to late fifties. They just got rid of their landline. Just got rid of it. Like they they don't use it anymore. They said we'll, we'll just use ourselves. And I said, wait until the twenty first century. Why would you not have a landline? Well, they don't. They don't call anyone. The only people they call. The only people they ever call are me, and they text me now, which is the, the worst mistake in the world. I let them do that. But just in case, we always have. A, a landline is in our package. I, I probably, I, th- I think we got rid of our landline at our last house. But I think whatever package, because I got to have certain stuff to make our millennial technology work. So the, the the landline's thrown in there. So I do have a landline. I don't even know what the number is. Yeah, see, that's, that's how I feel. A uh, good friend of mine, a good, 
good friend of yours, I would say, Joe Fortenbaugh has a landline. Does he? But he doesn't even know what the number is. He goes, yeah, I have a landline, but I, he goes, most of the time I forget I even have it. Millennial technology. He uses his cell phone or everyone. You know, most people either, like, when I set up the thing with Robert Flores, MLB Network told me, well, he could FaceTime with you guys. And when I'm like, um, we could do that, but the cell phone will be just fine. Yeah. We should, probably should have done the FaceTime. We might have had a better connection. That is true. Change is coming, and change will be good. Change will be fun. I mention it all the time. The different sports have all changed. Everything changed. And, and you know what? Like Robert said, if you implement something and it's not good, you take it out. You can do whatever you want. It's your league. The one thing I didn't think about was, and I don't know... I don't know how how much juice and I don't know who we would bring on to 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 and who would even want to go on record on this. How much juice does the the umpire union really have? Do they have a ton of juice? Now Eddie Montague, who's one of the great umpires of all time and he's always at A's games, he kind of scoffed at Robo Ump to me one time, but it's like it's coming. Robo-ump is coming. And as the president of the Atlantic League said, we still demand a lot. There's still a bunch of calls that are going to have to be done. You're still going to need as many umpires. You're still going to have the umpires in the field. You know, something's got to be there for the check swing. Something's got to be there for the call of home plate. You're still, you know, at this point, if you make the same amount of money, and I'm sure you even though some of them are really bad, I'm sure you take pride in one of, the th- one of the reasons why you wanted to be an umpire was balls and strikes. But like anything else in the minor leagues, so they've been trying all kinds, pitch clock, all kinds of stuff in the minor leagues. And now the players that, you, that were in the minor leagues and they're de- dealt with pitch clock and that kind of stuff, they now come to the – I talked to Lou Trevino about this down at spring training, you know, because everybody was freaked out about a pitch clock, and Lou was like, no, nah, I dealt with it in spring training. I mean, I dealt with it in the minor leagues. So that that's always one way to implement things is because what you do is you do it in the minor leagues. The players get used to it. Older players retire. And then as each – you know, finally when you implement it, the guys that are like, ah, this is horrible for baseball, well, at some point they retire, and then you'll have all these guys that were used to it. Actually, you know how you could really just essentially get people used to it as you do it for the entire spring training. I mean, they play so many games in spring training. By the time the season would start, everybody, everybody would be ready to rock. Now, we do know, I will say this. When you're relying on something like this, at some point, there there will be, whenever it's there's Wi-Fi involved, because this would, this would be the one thing I would really want to see tested out. So let's take the Oakland Coliseum. Wi-Fi at the Coliseum stinks. Everywhere. I don't know if you know that, but Wi-Fi there, whether you're in the stands, you're in the press box, 
especially where, okay, if you're at a Raider game and it's 50,000 people, man, your phone starts to get weird. Like, your service, and even for me as someone who's on the field, I'm not in the stands. But if you're in the stands, you'll know, man, your phone, your phone's not working like it normally does. I know there's been times where I'm in the stand, I can't send a text. I don't know what it is, millennial technology, Cody. What is it when you get that many people around each other to where the, your cell service starts to go wacky? It's because everyone's using the network, so the networks get clogged up so much. Like I, I'll never forget this. They told me that when we were at the Warriors Parade, the first Warriors Parade, I, we were doing the show from outside of Oaklandish, and we were having problems you with the You mean the parade that I was hosting? No, yeah, you host that parade. That is correct. I'll still never forget the one where you told Dibs, uh, what was it? You're telling me that the biggest representation we have is Dan Dibley. <laughs> that'll that'll be. I'll never forget that moment. That was one of the greatest lines I've ever heard in my so, life. So at our old station, we had a float because we were the Warriors flagship. So I was in charge of the broadcast of the entire parade, which lasted what, like eight hours? It was all day. Sunburnt. It was miserable. Yes, that's correct. And. I was right in front of the stage where the Warriors would show up and everybody would talk and celebrate, and, but they had the long parade. And in our float, what, what, who was in there? It was uh, Anna, Joe Fortenbaugh, Dibs, Lorenzo Neal, Alex Scott, Pride of San Jose State. And I remember saying, Dan Dibley's the best we got to put on a float. <laughs> I love Dibley. It was a joke, people. But, yeah, but I was getting at the first parade, 2015, we're outside, and just so many people, they were to have over a million people there for the parade. All those people trying to use that network, is it, it's it's going to clog it up. It happens a lot. Like I don't, I see this all the time at uh, SAP Center in San Jose, Sharks games. We're in San Jose, and the Silicon Wi-Fi. Valley, yeah. The Wi-Fi and the networks are always so bad. Like, the Wi-Fi there, if you're in the press box at the tank, good luck. Oh, on the field, and, and this is – this is at every NFL stadium. So, you know, when I was doing pre and post game for the Raiders, I was doing it from the field on my phone. And there were some times where, and I wasn't doing it as a phone call, right? I and mean, not, not to get too technical, but basically I have an app that acts like a Comrex that I can connect to another Comrex back in San Francisco. I did it from London. I did it from everywhere. But in certain NFL stadiums, there's so much trans, there's so much stuff going on. In Baltimore, I literally had to walk out of the stadium to be able to be on the air. I had to get out of the stadium. And as I'm standing, so I'm standing outside the stadium, and I'm all decked out in Raider gear. Raven fans are looking like, what is this guy? Next thing you know, people are, you know, think about. Think about we're getting closer to game time. People are starting to enter the stadium. People have been drinking in, in, at the tailgates. And all of a sudden, they see a guy with a microphone, a headset, and in Raider gear. I mean, people are flipping me off. They're, it was hilarious. Remember, Tony, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I know what Baltimore fans are like. I know what Steeler fans are like. And now I know what Raider fans are like. I can only imagine what that party was like for you. They were shocked. Like, they were shocked. Like, who's this Raider guy standing outside the stadium? Like, they were shocked. And then after they got over the shock, that's when, you know, 
F-bombs and that kind of stuff started coming my way. So you're telling me nobody offered you a beer or No, anything? no, 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 no. Hostile environment. When you're on the sidelines of an NFL game, you'd be amazed at the things people say to you. Like, in Denver, I, I, I got headphones on, so I, I'm listening to the broadcast. The minute I take the headphones off, because I walk, I walk up and down the back part of the bench, follow the ball, right? People just, just screaming. I don't play. I'm the radio guy. What are you yelling at me for? I have no – nothing that I'm going to do is going to influence the outcome of this game. I had Miami people at at Dolphin, Dolphin uh, – what's, what's it called now? Uh, Hard Rock. I'll say they have fans down there because, you know – Dolphins? I'm just saying because Miami – Florida is not really a good uh, – Oh, no, Dolphins are – it's the real deal. Okay, right. Oh, yeah, they have they – have. now – I can tell you, while I was down there, I uh, we went on Saturday to the Miami Hurricane game, and then Saturday night we went to the Marlins game. It was the second to the last Marlins game. Had to go to the Clevelander, right? And it, the Clevelander's the real deal at Marlins games. They have women in bikinis in the pool. It's unbelievable. But you could count the number of people in the stands. I mean, literally, it was like 3,000 people there. It was unbelievable. Coming up next... This man is one of the best scouts in all of the business. Shooty Babbitt. He's also the best dressed man on television. Shooty will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, this is Fred of the B-52s, and whenever my flying saucer is over Oakland, I listen to A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. So you might wonder, you know, why Why is the guy from the B-52s? Well, Ben, who is one of our board ops, is, is a band, is in a band, and toured with the B-52s all over Europe. How cool is that? Berlin, where was he? He was all over the place. All right, Shooty Babbitt's going to join us in moments. One of the things we were going to get into today, but Rick White ended up just blowing it out was the whole thing about baseball changing and I think of like Mike Trout what would certain guys from yesteryear look like if they're playing today's baseball with all the stuff that's going on with analytics and people messing with their swings what would Ricky Henderson's game be like this man, no question, is one of the top scouts in all the game, and he's been one of the top guys for a long, long time. You also see him on A's pre- and post-game live as the sharpest-dressed man in the business. The great Shooty Babbitt joins us here on A's Cast Live. How are you, Shooty? What's going on, Tony? Doing fantastic, my man. How's everything? Uh, we're doing well. Uh I know you have your ear to the streets. What are you hearing as we only got seven days left heading into the trading deadline? Well, there's a lot of anxious people out there because time is running out. Uh, there are not that many guys to check the boxes. You're going to find a lot of teams kind of fighting or uh, negotiating over the same player. And uh, But people have to be careful because you don't want to go all in and make a mistake. That's going to cost you for years. So, um it's going to get real interesting for the next few days. You know, it's kind of amazing, Tony, because in the past, even though 
there were things that could happen after the trade deadline, you can always grab somebody on the waiver wire. But you always made those trade deals early on. You made those deals back in May and April and sometime, laying some groundwork so it wouldn't take so long to get them done. So you thought that things might happen a little quicker this year, but um, we look at what's going on. There hasn't been a whole lot of movement, but there's a lot of teams that are holding guys hostage that are asking for a whole lot for big-time pieces. So once they come down on their prices and their asking pieces, I think you'll see some movement going on. You know, I was talking about that earlier today because right now, if you have one of these assets that people want, you have the leverage. But as you get closer to the deadline, since you can't do the the waiver wire process, you don't want to be caught holding the bag and having that asset still on your team because you want to get rid of that asset and you want to get younger players. So uh, will we look at the teams we see, you know, the sellers right now seem to have the advantage, but can that leverage flip a little bit when you know somebody really wants or really has to get rid of a guy? Well, the one thing that you don't want to do is play dirty pool. You want to be up front. You want to make a good deal for both teams because you want to do business later on. You don't just want to take advantage of somebody this year and then the next time you see them, you can't look the guy in the eye because you know you're taking advantage of them. I mean, there's some quality and prideful guys in this business that make those deals. So the one thing that you don't want to do is start holding on too long and then you know you've done what was wrong. So uh, there are a few guys and we know who they are. But that's the great part about it. There are going to be some deals made that people are going to say, wow, I didn't see that coming. And I think that's the great part of this last week that we're going to have in front of us. Tell us from your perspective as a scout what it's like when a major league organization starts, okay, you're going to target a certain guy, and then the, okay, let's say it's like a Marcus Stroman, right? Well, then they're – you, the scout, got to then go, and you got to look at what's their best assets. If we're going to trade Stroman, then you got to look at that other team who your trading partner. You want to find their best assets in their minor league system. What's that like for a scout? Well, and you don't wait until now. I mean, you may go out and send guys out this last couple of days if you uh, somewhat have uh, recognized a guy that you may have interest in and see you guys and make sure that this guy is healthy and everything is working fine. But that's the whole idea of having a, a, a great uh, scouting department when you've got guys employed all year long that are out seeing these guys, ranking them, evaluating them, getting them in order, getting them in check. So if you do a, a deal with a club, you've already got these guys ranked and you already know how you feel about them from top to bottom. So it's time to push the button. You don't have to start calling guys, asking, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about that guy? Well, knowing how you feel about guys and what your reports say about a player, they'll take a look at it and say, hey, we'll get together as a group collectively, make a decision, and make a quick call. Wouldn't you say one of the strengths of Billy Bean and David Force regime over the years is evaluating other people's talent? Well, and I think they do an even better job of their own. But I think what they do, they do such a great job of just having a, a grasp of everything that's going on and not making moves just to be making moves. I mean, this is an evolving game every year. I mean, a couple of pieces have come in place that could set you up for five or ten years. So you've got to be careful and do all your due diligence. 
And my time over here as a scout, that's one thing that I've gotten a chance to notice right away is just the operational strength here. I mean, you've got guys that are dug in in the trenches that are in there pretty deep. You don't hear from them or see from them. And then when they come out of it, they come out of there with some nuggets, man. So um, it's been a great run. You know, I had about a 12-day stretch where I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Little Rock, Arkansas, Round Rock, Texas. I mean, we're going all over the place trying to make sure that we uncover some gems just in case we do do something. Oh, I love it. And when you're on the road, that's when you get all your work done. Yeah, it can't get no work at home, man. You know you got too many honey-do's and must-do's and gosta-do's. You know, so but when you're on the road, you get a chance to do that computer work, sit out in that hotel room, you get the banging, you get to looking at information and putting a piece together and get all the knowledge you can on a player. And before you know it, you've got the whole profile and you got this guy ready to go and you throw him in the heater and you're ready to move on to the next guy. In your career, you've seen the numbers, you've seen the data change. How has it changed you as a scout? Well, you'd be stupid if you didn't pay attention to what's going on. I mean, the game is evolving and moving very quickly with all the information that we're getting. But for me, my strength has always been my ears, my eyes, and my experience. And that's what I have to lean on the most. I know how difficult it is to play this game. You can break it down. You can isolate it. You can slow it down. You can even stop it on a computer. But once the game goes, or once it starts, it's the fastest game in the world, man, and the best guys can slow it down. And that's what makes them so great, to be able to stop something that is so quick, to be able to slow it down and to be able to control it. So just watching the changes, all the different ways that you have to attack to prepare for your opponent – I think the biggest thing that I don't like is that everybody has knowledge on what you're doing. As hitters, we never talk about how we prepare, what we were looking for, what we were going to do. Well, everybody's telling you how to hit, how to um, set your bat, where to um, guide your path, you know, where to set your angle, uh, where to pitch guys up in the zone. I mean, everything is out there, man. But you know what? The bottom line is you still have to go out there and do it. It's like playing golf. You can tee that bad boy up as high as you want to, and it's not even moving, and you still can't hit it straight, man. So can you imagine a 90-mile-hour fastball and trying to dictate what you're going to do with that? Whew. Unbelievable. I can't tell you how many times I've heard four left when I'm on the tee. <laughs> Dr. Hook, paging Dr. Hook. Uh, look, look, looking at young players, would you say young players now – are more prepared at a younger age to play at this level? Uh, I don't think you can prepare to play at the major league level. I mean, it's so difficult, and I think people are so critical when a guy gets to the big leagues, they think he's just going to go up there and dominate or do well right away. It just doesn't work that easy. I think the preparation, the uh, all the uh, the work that you've put in, the repetition over the years, the hunger, the desire – the attitude, the professionalism, your package that you build over the years to get you ready, yeah, that 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 prepares you because you're going to need a little bit of everything to succeed up there and, and not get ran out the big league. So uh, I think they can be given too much information and become robots at times. you got to go out there and let your natural ability uh, let you know what you can and what you can't do, and you work on those things. You try to improve your weaknesses, and you try to build on your strengths. But you have to go out there and play before you can find out what you can and what you can't do. You know, one of the things we wanted to bring you on today, because 
We'll talk about it more at a later date. But, you know, you wonder about what players and how guys are taught now, how the game is played, how that would influence players from yesteryear and how it would change their game. And I know how close you are with Ricky Henderson. And if you're going to have a conversation of who's the best player in the history of the game, Ricky Henderson has to be in that conversation. Ricky would be a great player in any era. But if he played today where they don't like guys stealing bases at reckless abandon and they want more pop and more balls are going out uh, of the yard and the ball is juiced. What do you think Ricky Henderson would look like in today's modern-day baseball? He would look like the best leadoff hitter on every team in baseball. You know, as a scout, the one thing you do when you look at players, the one thing you want to know is how is he going to impact the game? Because the guys that impact the game the most are the guys that do the most damage. Ricky was the most unstoppable leadoff hitter in the game. He scored runs. He scored more runs than anybody in the history of the game. Last time I checked, the team that scores the most runs is the team that wins the game. When Ricky Henderson was playing, the A's or whoever he played with won the most games. He makes everybody play different. He speeds everybody up, even though they're not even capable of speeding up. And that's what disrupts their timing in the way that they play the game. They don't make them like Ricky Henderson. We're talking about a Hall of Fame, best leadoff hitter in the history of the game. You wish that you could add a guy like that to your lineup because what he does, like I said, he makes everybody else change the way that they play the game. Yeah, I think he'd hit a lot more home runs, don't you think, if he played, if he came up in today's game? He, oh, no question. At the end of his career, he told me, sure, if I wanted to stand up and get up out this crouch, I know I could hit 25 easily, and I believe that. That's when you had the real ball. I mean, this area, he probably would hit 40 like the rest of these cats. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I was thinking of, 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 of lineup construction. If, if, if you take, like, that A's team from the late 80s, you could have, you know, they like putting maybe their best hitter in the number two hole. Would it be crazy? But you could if, if you were constructing that lineup today, you could see Jose Canseco batting second. Well, I mean, he's going to get fastballs, and all he got to go up there doing is turn and burn and try to lift and separate. Why not? Uh, Dwayne Murphy was that way from the left-hand side. I mean, he almost tore oblique every night, you know, swinging from the hips. So, because um, he got plenty of fastballs because nobody didn't want to throw, Rick, Ricky, um, throw breaking balls when Ricky was on base. Oh, yeah, because he's stealing second. No question about it. Absolutely. Hey, buddy, we appreciate you. Got you. When, when's the next time we're going to see you on TV? I'll be next month sometime after the trade deadline and things calm down a little bit. So um, I'll see you in August sometime, Tony. Right now I'm still in the bushes, bro. Well, you're too valuable. When, when it's this time of the year, you're too valuable to be on, you're too valuable to be on TV. Well, look here. It's just a blessing and an honor to be representing this green and gold, and I'm just loving everything that's going on. You guys are doing a tremendous job. I was looking at the A's cast selections today and all the different things that are being offered. You like knowledge and wisdom and information. Well, you better tune in and get everything that you need right there, man, because that's a fan delight, man. So to be a part of this pennant race right now and the way that these young players are playing and growing together, man, I mean, what a great time to be an A's fan. And let's end on this. How much does it mean to you to be back home and be back with the A's family? 
this is like a dream come true. Where I started from, and I'll get a chance to finish right here because I ain't going nowhere. They're going to have to run me up out of here. And if they do, it'll be the last stop that I have. But um, every kid's dream that plays baseball, to get an opportunity to play for his hometown team, and then to be a part of this organization, probably any – man, I've been so many things in this organization, man. Uh, it's been incredible. So they definitely tell you they treat you like family. I'm family for sure, man. So uh, it's fantastic, Tony. You are the best, my friend. Be well in the bushes. Thank you for having me, brother. Have a wonderful day. The great Shooty Babbitt. I was just shown an alert. Who is it from? Who exactly was that alert from? It's from Bleacher Report, but it's a story from the great Buster Olney. Wow. Buster only's putting something out there that if you got this guy, you want to talk about energizing a clubhouse, energizing a fan base, we'll tell you who that guy is next right here on A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, A's Cast Live continues. By the way, the Twins now have 87 home runs at home this year. That's one more home run than they hit at home all of last year. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. So the no-no, Shane Bieber's no-no is now over. Eric Sogard, nerd power, breaks it up. Buster Olney is out there reporting right now that the New York Mets are open for business. And that Noah Syndergaard is out there for the taking. Can you imagine the flowing locks with the green and gold? He only makes $6 million a year. He's 26. He's not eligible for free agency until 20, 2022. Like the one team, if he's not coming to the A's, just don't send him to the Astros. Can you imagine that? I could see them doing that deal. They've got prospects. And the thing to think about is he probably would end up being the replacement for Garrett Cole because there's a lot of belief that Garrett Cole is a SoCal guy, went to UCLA, and that he would want to take, like, a big deal, like, with the Angels. And, of course, his wife is Brandon Crawford's sister, so she grew up in uh, Pleasanton. So she would be coming back to California. I mean, you never know, though. I mean, who knows? I mean, the Yankees could blow you away with an offer or the Red Sox or whatever, but Syndergaard, his year's not great. He's 7-4 and four with a 4.36. He could be one of these guys that the ball has affected his stuff. Sarah Langs, our own Sarah Langs from MLB.com when she was on here, she was talking about that. There's certain players that maybe this new ball has affected them. We have thought about it with Blake Trinan and and Lou Trevino. 
mean, Verlander's talked about it at the All-Star game. said it's a joke. Verlander really exposed some stuff there. Like, I didn't even, like, no one really knew that Major League Baseball had bought part of Rawlings. Like, you know, I don't think a lot of people, there wasn't a major announcement on that, right? There wasn't a major announcement that baseball was buying into Rawlings. No, I don't remember seeing anything for that. And I think we usually pretty much check everything that's going on. I was, I was shocked. And then that's that's one of the reasons why you had Jim Leland and Joe Torre pull Verlander into the manager's office and be like, "Hey, man, you need to quit this." I'm with Verlander. This this needs to be talked about. I mean, when you have the twin, I mean. Just look at what the Twins are doing. But I want to get back into what Shooty, you know, I think Ricky Henderson would be different. I mean, you know, maybe we'll get into this. We got some full shows this week. I think Ricky would be different. I think Ricky would be more like Mike Trout. He'd still steal a lot of bases. But I don't think he's going to attempt nowhere even near what he did. People don't steal bags anymore. Not because they can't. It's about efficiency. With all these balls flying out of the ballpark, they don't want you running into outs. He would steal a lot of bags. But I don't think he'd steal as many. But as Shooty said, home runs would be up. He'd be a leadoff hitter with 435, 40 home runs. (laughs) It would be Can you imagine that A's team? I mean, seriously. I mean, I know a lot of guys are on steroids, but I imagine that A's team in in today's baseball with with, with the way the ball is now, that would absolutely be insane. And right now, your scouts are so key. The good thing for the A's, though, is that they're not looking to sell. They're looking to add. You got seven days. And I think Shooty also made a very good point. How you deal with other teams affects you long-term. We learned that in Moneyball. Kenny Williams basically didn't want to do business with the A's anymore because the A's, they won want, they want a few deals against him. And it makes you, if you feel like you haven't won the deal, and your fan base thinks you haven't won the deal, it's a really bad look. Especially if you trade a couple times with, with, with a certain team, and each time that team's coming on top, they're, they're getting the better of the deal. I, For example, give you one the A's lost for sure, was Josh Donaldson. Unless Barreto's going to turn into an MVP caliber player, you know, the guys that you got, Brett Laurie, gone. Sean Nolan, gone. I mean, you didn't win the trade. Who was the fourth guy? It was Nolan. It was Lowry. Kendall Graveman. Kendall Graveman, and he's gone. He's with the Cubs now, I believe, or was with the Cubs. And what was said was once they threw Barreto in, the deal was a no-brainer. Well, until Barreto starts making contact and can be an everyday player, 
but that's the thing. It's like when, when you have the tr- when you have a track record like Billy and David, and you've been in this business a long, long time. No GM, no no executive is going to get everything right. You're going to have ones where you're going to have some trades that you want it. You're going to have some trades you lost it, and you're going to have some trades that do work out for both teams. It can go both ways. Our next guest is going to help us with this technology boom. Brad Gilbert is one of the most fascinating guys that I've ever worked with. I hosted a show with him for a couple months. Huge A's fan, huge Raiders fan, huge Warriors fan. East Bay through and through from Piedmont. And obviously was a great tennis player. He's known as one of the great tennis coaches of all time and also as a commentator for ESPN. I want to find out what he thinks about Hawkeye. Hawkeye is the technology that tennis uses, and Hawkeye's coming to Major League Baseball. So we'll get his opinion on the A's, we'll get his opinion on Hawkeye, and so much more next right here on A's Cast Live. Two of baseball's most iconic franchises go head-to-head beginning on Tuesday, August 20th. Here comes the judge. As the New York Yankees come to the town to take on the A's. He hits a judgey in blast into the right field seat. Don't miss out on Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, and the rest of the Bronx Bombers as Matt Chapman, Chris Davis, and the swinging A's look to defend their home turf. Miraculous comeback by the A's in the ninth Games 1 and 2 begin at 7.07 p.m. with the final game of the three-game series beginning at 6.37. Don't miss out on your chance to see the next chapter of this rivalry between two of Major League Baseball's most historic teams. The New York Yankees have won the 2018 wildcard game, an abrupt end to a remarkable season for the Oakland Athletics. As the A's seek revenge, get your tickets today at athletics.com slash tickets, athletics.com slash tickets. On Thursday, August 1st, grab your favorite air hockey t-shirt, tie your bowling shoes, and unleash your inner child at the second annual Oakland A's Game Night presented by Chevron. Game Night will take place at Plank in Jack London Square and is available for all fans 21 years and older that purchase a ticket for the event. Activities include bowling, bocce ball, air hockey, video games, and unlimited food and non-alcoholic beverages. Head on over to athletics.com slash game night to select the ticket package that works for you. Game night will begin at 5.30 p.m. following the A's afternoon game against the Milwaukee Brewers. Come show off your best bowling pose or run up the air hockey score on your favorite A's player. All proceeds from the event benefit the A's Community Fund. Game night, Thursday, August 1st at Plank in Jack London Square. For more information, visit athletics.com slash game night. That's athletics.com slash game night. This summer, our hats are off for you, A's fans. Grab 15 of your closest family members, friends, or co-workers and make memories at the ballpark with our new Hats Off group package. Groups purchasing 15 or more tickets in the lower level will receive a free exclusive A's cap featuring our popular spring training elephant logo. Select games and restrictions apply. Visit athletics.com slash hats off for more information. That's athletics.com slash hats off. 
If you love chicken pies and a dynamic menu, then you're going to love the chicken pie shop of Walnut Creek. You have to try their world-famous chicken pie dinner, which has been served in Southern California for 80 years. That's a chicken pie shop right off Main Street in downtown Walnut Creek, located at 1251 Arroyo Way. Parking's easy, perfect for events, daily drink and food specials, and best of all, great food. Check out their menu at chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com, right off Main Street, Walnut Creek. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Austin left field deep, Bam going back, looking up, he will watch it fly! And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, goal! Cody Bellinger hits one out. He so he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. And where are you listening from? We want to hear from you. Text us, 510-897-1322. 510-897-1322. You never know. Maybe you'll win tickets to an A's game. See, my tickets are all sewn up till Sunday. But after Sunday, I got tickets available. Tell us where you're texting from. I mean, where you're texting. Tell us where you're listening. Where are you? 510-897-1322. Hope you're enjoying the program. Commander Cody, an excellent, I mean, excellent day today with the guests. They've been absolutely fabulous. Started out with Rick White, the president of the Atlantic League. Robert Flores from MLB Network. Shooty Babbitt. And now we're going to have Brad Gilbert on. Tennis legend. Do we have him? BG, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm so happy for you. You don't have to wake up in the morning. You get to talk baseball. Focus on what you like best. This is so cool for you, buddy. I get to talk A's baseball, and no one's going to give me crap about it. How nice is that? That's it. Listen, I, I got, like, uh, on my iPad, so I, I can hear the games. You know, just because you're involved, I can hear the games. Today, I went out and, you know, I went and hit tennis balls because I knew today was a throwaway game. We got H-Town. We got Verlander. That's a bad cocktail. 12 and 1 against the A's since the start of 2012. You've been watching A's baseball for a long time. His dominance over the A's has been pretty incredible. Forget about the the, the dude up in Seattle, you know, who they you know used to have our number as well. But that guy beat us in game 5 of playoffs where you, you know me I love the bunt. I'm still upset we never even tried to manufacture a run against him. And we still, you know, just like still trying to hit long ball forever. It's like, you know, my pet peeve when you play a team and a guy like that manufacture a run, play small ball. But that's not the A's baseball. But we got some bomber bats down. I I think we do have the best bats we've had since the three World Series teams. Well, I think, you know, you look at this offense, and it's one thing that uh, everybody talks about. It really doesn't, you know, at any point, no matter when you're down, 
the A's have the firepower to come back and get you, and that is always a great thing to have. I mean, if you look at yesterday's game, they're down. Next thing you know, BG, a three-run shot, and the A's end up coming back and winning that game against the Astros. And now hopefully we can keep all these bats, but this is the first time that maybe we've seen that they've got all these bats. And, I mean, the manager's having to do a great job because the pitching, you know, like, you know, our two big studs last year, you know, Trevino and Trainer, they're gone this year. They're tomato canned. So it's like 19 blown saves and we're still in it. it you know, so our pitching is nowhere near what we've seen like those teams that lost in those game fives when we had awesome pitching. And the, would you say the hitting was 230-240? I mean, we're a completely different team now. You know, I think about you as a coach, whether it was Andre Agassi or Andy Roddick or Andy Murray, all the big names that you coached. What was it like when you had a player going through a funk? Because you know the talent's there. It's in between their ears that you got to fix. You know, every once in a while, you know, in baseball, a Texas leaguer sometimes goes a long ways to, you know, waking up a bat. And it's the same in tennis. You're struggling. And you just got to keep working hard. You got to keep putting in the work. And sometimes it's just an ugly win that all of a sudden can change everything for you. But when you go in a funk in anything, it's your attitude that if all of a sudden it, that kind of goes and, and your self-confidence goes, it can get a lot worse. Or you start tinkering, or I need to change things. That seems to happen a lot in baseball where guys struggling, you know, I got to do this with my swing. I got to, you know, and in tennis too, you start thinking, I got to play differently. Um, and I like to think of, you know, trust your swing, trust your game, keep working hard. And then, you know, the funk will, will end. Yes, it's it, 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 when people have such great skill. It's hard. It's hard to see them struggle because you just wonder, like, man, you're so great. You're Blake trying, and you just had one of the greatest years in the history of baseball, and now you got over a four ERA. How does that happen? Well, now with him, right, and and full credit to the you know the coach for understanding it. Um, you know, you can't just automatically slip him in there because of what's happened, and so he's got to learn to play and be a different role and accept that, and then, okay, if I can do the sixth inning or seventh inning or get some outs, maybe I can work my way back in. And I do think sometimes you think, you know, in this situation, you expect that I deserve my spot back. And he has improved. If, I, if I'm the manager, listen, the other, the, other, the other day when he was in, I'm like, oh, my God, he's in the, he's in the eighth inning. We're only down a run. It's like, okay – I'd be like thinking, oh, my God, why would you put him in right now? And he actually got out of an adventuresome inning. And then, and then, then they actually took the lead. But I, I, I do think that, that he is trying to work him back in, but there's no guarantee that you deserve your spot. And more than anything, they've they got to find out, you know, why he can't get, you know, consistency. Hopefully it's not any, you know, health problems, but – I certainly, if I was the manager, I wouldn't put him in past the sixth inning or seventh inning of anything, a meaningful game at the moment. Would you? Uh, it's it, it, He's been in mop-up duty trying to get it back, and, and, it, and it's sad to see, and hopefully he changes. One of the things we wanted to uh, pick your brain about is technology. 
as we know that TrackMan is being used right now in the Atlantic League to call balls and strikes. A lot of people think it's it's coming to Major League Baseball sooner than later. They're going to adopt the technology next year that tennis has been using, Hawkeye. Talk to me what it was like when technology first started to be used in tennis and how it went over in the tennis community to where it is now. God darn it, where was it 25 years before, man? It's phenomenal. And it's sorely needed in baseball. And it's sorely needed, too, to speed up the game. I still think that they allow the pitcher way too long and the batter. It's like, you know, we have a 25-second clock in between the point. Should be the same. It's like, okay, there should be a 25-second clock, you know, put the pitch in play. If not, it's a ball. You know, it's like, okay, there's a certain amount of time. There's enough dilly-dallying around. And I do think that if you have the technology, because the thing is, in tennis, a line is a line. In, in in baseball, you, I mean, you've seen this forever, and I'm sure it's the most frustrating thing about the game. Why does one umpire call, and I've heard you say it on the radio, you've even said it before the game or whatever, this is how he calls the game. He won't give you the high strike. He'll give you the low strike. He, are you kidding me? What, why should somebody have that mindset that, oh, no, I don't give you this, I give you that. I give you this or don't give you that. That's ridiculous. If it's a strike, if it's not. If a guy is taller or shorter, you, you know, there should be some variables, but he shouldn't have it built in in his reputation, and that's why they do need Hawkeye for balls and strikes. I think it would make it way better. Yeah, I, I mean, watching Wimbledon this year, and it's fascinating how it's exact. You know exactly, is it on the line or not uh, Not on the line? And, and, you know, the days of John McEnroe screaming at the umpire, the technology is the technology. It's either in or it's out. And then you know what's beautiful about it? It happens how quickly. It's not like in football. It's like some three-minute, you yeah. know, you know, it takes forever. This takes 15 seconds, boom. And I, I think in baseball you could use it. And I know there's a human element, you know, but there is, there's still the human frustration. Uh, how many times do you sit there and you watch it? It's like, oh, my God, this guy won't give that. Or, or all of a sudden he doesn't want to, you know what, I'm going to call the game differently today. So he, the guy behind the plate has too much influence on how he calls a ball and strike, and that's annoying. And so that part I don't feel like has gotten any better for the players or any consistency based upon your knowledge. You would tell me that such and such umpire will give you the low strike, such and such will give you the high strike, and then you, then you hope he's just consistent with that, right? Well, I yes, and I talked to uh, the president of the Atlantic League where they're using it now, BG, and I asked him, I said, so – how do players like it? How do the hitters like it? How do the pitchers like it? He says everybody loves it because now you know now you have consistency as an athlete. A strike is a strike, a ball is a ball, and it doesn't change uh, per game, per stadium, per night. You now consistently know what it is, and the players really like that. And you know what? You can't get pissed at it. It is what it is. And and then I think that you know that would be a massive step. And I also think that like. The 25-second clock in tennis, it's like, boom, you start the clock, you got to put it in play. And I think that would be hugely advantageous for baseball because sometimes, you know, the pitcher does a little thing, the batter does a little thing. Sometimes you're looking at, and then with, with ball thrown to first base, sometimes you could have two, three minutes before literally we've gotten anywhere in, in this next batter. 
And then between the, you know, all the pitchers, you know, changes between seven, eight, and nine innings and all the specialists, you can be looking at an hour and a half to two hours for the last three innings of a meaningful game. Oh, it is absolutely painful. Hey, obviously I was watching you over at Wimbledon. Where did you rate this men's final championship all time? Um, Fed has probably been involved in the in the three most um, intense matches in the history of Wimbledon. Uh, I, I think the first one was probably the one where he lost to Nadal uh, in the fading light, and literally they couldn't have played another point in 2008, and then the next year they got the roof. Then 2009, he beats Roddick 16-14 in the fifth. Roddick hadn't been broken for five hours until 15-14 and the fifth. Hadn't been broken once. And then this one, so uh, this year. So these three matches, you know, in the men's final, and he's been involved in all three of them. I, I mean, that's one that, like, that's a, that's a kick in the, you know, that's a, that, that's a kick in the teeth like nobody's business. He come from a breakdown to, to put himself in position, two match points, but full credit to Djokovic, he came up with the good. He came up with the pass under pressure. And then it's crazy. If you look at stats, sometimes stats make you crazy because you look at them and it tells you a story. And this one, Fed won all the stats. I mean, his stats were so much better. He won more points, more aces, less double faults, more winners, everything. But in the three breakers that he lost... 11 unforced errors he had in the three and the three breakers zero for Djokovic. So it's like in the three tiebreakers when Djokovic needed to be better at that one moment, it's like he closed. He had a, you know, it's like he had a 1 2 3 ninth, 1 2 3 ninth, 1 2 3 ninth. So he was the better player in those three breakers. I mean, Fed was the better player the whole match, but he won the last point. Is it amazing that he is still at such a high level Roger Federer at this age? If you'd have t- told me 10 years ago, was this possible, I would have said zero chance. <laughs> zero chance that a guy that he's going to be 38 August 9th, and it's an individual sport, could be doing what he's doing. But we're seeing it now way more than we've ever seen it. Tom Brady is 41. He's still at top of his game. We're seeing track athletes. We're seeing hell baseball players like Late 30s, when I was a kid, when a guy was 35, he was turning over the cliff. You know, that was it. You know how many great superstars when I was a kid in baseball and football, when you saw turn 35, their career was completely just literally, if you look at their baseball card or some of how the numbers would drop off. So we are seeing, like, all year-round training, diets, all sorts of things to prolong, you know, these players and make them better. So... In in some sense now, it's still surprising because tennis is an individual sport and movement is such a you know a huge factor. Um, but he's pushing the envelope and he's probably showing a path to other guys that like you know what if you do things right anything's possible. I just got a text in from Coliseum Carl that said Brad is the man. I have a bud ice for him. Tell tell him listen it's my daughter got really upset with me in March of 2018. She said, Dad, it's been too long. 
you you know you need to start you know kind of adapting your beer game i want you drinking you you need to you know so i have gone now about 18 months with not a bi i'm actually drinking a nastro azuro uh peroni i'm drinking more euros but see i'm a lager guy so i only like lagers I, and lagers on draft, but I have not had a BI after it was like my personal friend for 30 years. I've not had one for 18 months. Can you believe that? Uh, no, I cannot. But if the A's, if the A's win something, I'll freaking toast one. Because I remember at your old house, you had a liquor store that would specifically order Bud Ice just for you. Of course. You're not drinking Bud Ice anymore? That's shocking to me. No, 18 months, you know, on the lamb. How's the family doing? Everybody good? Everybody's all good. You know, thank goodness for the Internet. Can, can, you know, it doesn't matter where I'm at. can just pop on my iPad. If the A's are playing, boom. Great stuff, BG. Be well, my friend, and uh, we Take will. Take care. Go A's and keep up the good work, buddy. You're the best. See ya. Brad Gilbert, Bay Area legend, one of the great athletes out of the Bay Area, and just a super guy. I did uh, I did some morning. I did about three, God, how long was it? About two months of morning shows together. And the amount of people. He's got these stories. How about this story? This is a great one. Oh, by the way, we have just, did you just see the text? Matt Pearl, my boss, has just sent us a text saying we have four diamond-level seats for tomorrow that we have 40 minutes to give away. <laughs> uh, Commander Cody, we got to figure out how to, how to give away uh, – how do how we give away four diamond-level – the best seats in the house. They still have the ro- – you realize I haven't had a beer once all uh, season at the Coliseum? I swear to God, I have not had one beer. What, what game was this today? Game 100, and hold on, I'll check the Bible. Game 104, and I haven't had one beer. What's incredible is since we started doing this at the end of May, you and I have gone out a few times beforehand. Tonight will be the first time we've gone out since we started the show. Come see us at Hoppus Brewery in Willow Glen in San Jose. We're going to go have some beers. Yeah, I have not had one beer this season. So maybe Sunday I'll change that because Sunday is my anniversary. And it's also Root Beer Float Day. My, my, my wife was like, oh, my God, what an honor on our anniversary. I get to go to Root Beer Float Day. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but the best for my bride. 18 years. Oh, my God, I've been married 18 years. I made it almost two. So uh, I don't know what married life's like. Not really. You only made it. You're, it really only went two years. Uh, just a shade under two years. Okay, how long should it have gone? A couple weeks? No. We hey, don't. somebody told you not to get married. Uh, it was you. There's one other person that told me that too. And then after that happened, he looked at me and said, "I told you I got to help you get it annulled." The legend Greg Papa told me that. He, he goes, did? I, "I told you not to get married." And then when I told him I had a job offer to work for MLB Network Radio years ago, he looked at me and he goes. So you want to do this job, right? Look, talk to me. I, I got somebody that could probably get that, that marriage annulled for you. 
<laughs> Might be the best advice Pop ever gave me in the, <laughs> fi- the five plus years I worked with him. It probably was the only advice he ever gave you. I think that's one of the only times I actually saw him in the studio. <laughs> so we have to figure out if you're – see, this is why you listen. It's the perks. I was talking about giving out tickets, but my tickets aren't dime level. Do they still have the lobster roll going down there? You, you've sat down there, haven't you? No, I haven't sat down there since 2012 when I first visited California. Uh, no, sorry, it was even earlier than that. And two, I wouldn't know because I don't eat seafood. So uh, I'm the worst person to ask God, that question. God, you are like the most bizarre human being. You don't like shrimp. I don't like seafood. I, I, How do you not like seafood? What the yeah. hell is wrong with you? I don't eat eggs, and I broke this to your wife, your, your bride earlier, that I don't drink coffee either. You don't eat seafood. You don't drink coffee, and what's the other one? I, I just mentioned it. Now I'm forgetting. Oh, I don't. Eat, I do. I do not eat eggs. You are such a millennial. It is so unbelievable. Yeah, but I'm not drinking like a. Um, are you allergic to peanut butter? No, I I, I eat peanut butter, and not not the <laughs> almond butter. I eat normal peanut butter, Skippy, Jif, whatever you want to give me. Uh, I don't. I don't wake up and make a veggie shake in the morning. Uh, I don't drink tomato juice. Do you have avocado toast? I hate avocados, actually. Avocados, I think, are the is. This is an unpopular opinion, as they say. Uh, avocados are um, trash. What? You yeah. don't like avocado? You don't like guacamole? No. What the me, hell is wrong with give you? Give me salsa with what chips? I, I'll tell you this, and I know, I, I know the peanut allergy allergy can be life threatening. I'm not, but growing up, going to different schools, I don't recall anybody having a peanut allergy. And think about it. I played baseball. I played football. I played basketball. I played all these different sports with kids from different neighborhoods, different schools. Never once heard of a peanut allergy. Your generation, somehow, some way, developed peanut allergies, and I and it's very common now. I've only heard of it one time, and it's funny you mentioned that about playing baseball. One of my high school teammates in baseball in the small town of Jeanette, Pennsylvania, uh, he had a peanut allergy his entire life, and he was the only person I've ever seen or heard until you know more recently that it's come about that it's had a peanut allergy, and it was the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. But you're right. It's my millennials. Ge- millennial generation, and I don't know even know about Gen Z. Well, that's Joey sometime. Because he's oh, a, I bet he's Joey. Gen Z. Oh, Joey. The Italian stallion probably has multiple allergies. I, I guarantee it. He's a soft little butterfly. There's no, there, the, the, I guarantee he has some issues. All right, we have to figure out how to give you four awesome seats to the A's game tomorrow. And the 510 has just checked in. They have the lobster rolls. But he says he doesn't eat seafood either. Thank you. Are you serious, 510? How do you not eat seafood? The the fan the I'll tell you what the fan uh, the fan base for me is growing amongst Ace fans I'm telling you, unbelievable. They love my uh, idea about hey, home, how the home run derby. Ha, ha, oh, I so last night I, I got done with the show, went to the gym, and they had the Giants game on, and I was thinking, what 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 did it, in the thirteenth did it end? I think it was the thirteenth. That Pablo hit that walk off. So it was like in the eleventh, and I was thinking about you. I'm like, Cody, this would have been a great. You would be like, hey, get Rizzo out there versus who would the Giants put out there for home run derby? Mike Yastrzemski, because he's the only guy to hit home runs for him anymore. <laughs> yes. you're, not, you're, not put, you're not putting Buster Baby Posey yes. out there. Yeah, you're not putting oh, Buster Posey out there. Posey didn't even get to the warning track. It literally is. We should have. Oh, you know what? 
we got to get the we 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 got to get the uh, president of the Atlantic League back to give him your idea, or at least I want you to. You, you have his cell phone number. I have his email. I can send it to him. I I would I would I would we need to maybe we should tape something and send it to him and say this is what we would like to see implemented in the Atlantic League. So Cody has an idea. It's a wonderful idea. Who we got coming up here? Is it? Mike Petriello, who's oh. a, he called the home run derby on this on uh, for Sadcast, so he'd be great for this. So we'll think. So basically, after eleven or twelve innings, we call the game, and we go to home run derby like a shootout in hockey. And you pick a player. One team picks a player. The other team picks the other player, and we'll do it like old school home run derby. You get ten outs, and whoever hits the most home runs wins the game. And the great example is A's are down in Anaheim, tied 2-2 in the 11th inning. We call the game, and out comes Mike Trout, and out comes Matt Chapman. How awesome would that be? That'd be it, it would, it would, you know how many people are like, don't watch when you get in 11, 12, 13, 14? You'd have people flocking because they're on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And you know how the MLB app always sends out the notification? Once you got that notification – that Chapman's going up against Trout and Home Run Derby to decide the game, I bet the ratings would spike back up for both radio and television. Cody, it's a brilliant idea. We need to get the uh, Atlanta League on this. All right, we'll ask Mike next what he feels about it, and also we'll just delve into a little analytics next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. My wife made hell of it tonight. That doesn't look good to you? No? Wonderful. Mike Petrello from MLB.com actually wrote about Marcus Stroman possibly coming to the A's. I want his thoughts on Thor. Trading a player like that would be so tough. I mean, talk about having to win the trade. What I mean, how? What would you have to get back to appease Mets fans for Thor? I mean, you'd have to get a haul. Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, I'm just thinking along those lines. If you're in the Mets, that's that's kind of what you want to get back, right? Although Brody's not a. Uh, a GM by trade, so maybe he'll just trade uh, Syndergaard for an aging veteran like um, Mark Trumbo or something like you kind of do with <laughs> oh, like you did with Rob, Robinson Cotto, who, to his credit, did hit three home runs last night. So first time in his career he's ever done that. Well, I'm looking at five bubble clubs, five bubble clubs, and it's from Richard Justice. Number one is the Giants. Number two is the Red Sox. Number three is the A's. Number four is the Phillies. And number five is the Angels. How about Trevor Bauer? Talk about trading Trevor Bauer. If it ended today, Cleveland would be hosting a home playoff game. I mean, think about that. What are you telling your fan base if you're the top wild card team and you're going to trade Trevor Bauer? 
you'd be hosting, if it ended today, and obviously it does, but if it ended today, well, let's ask Mike because he's now on the line. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to come on A's Cast Live. Hey, guys, how are you? We're doing wonderful. If you're a Cleveland Indians fan and you're at the top wild card and they trade Trevor Bauer, I mean, what are you thinking as an Indians fan? Well, I don't think they're actually going to do that. I do think there's an argument to do it if you were 100% positive that Kluber was going to be healthy and Carrasco was going to be healthy and you put those two guys with, with Bieber uh, and uh, and all of a sudden and Mike Clevenger and then that's a pretty good rotation and you could do a thing where you trade Bauer and you get the bat you have need, but you can't count on Kluber or Carrasco for certain right now and they're in a wild card spot. I agree with you. I don't think they're going to do it. I definitely think they're going to trade him this winter. Well, then you have Noah Syndergaard, and it's being put out there that uh, the Mets possibly could shopping him. What would you need to get back for trading Thor? Um, a lot. They're not going to do it, I don't think, because if you look at his performance, like obviously his talent is unquestioned, right? But his performance is, had an okay season. He's actually striking out you know, less than one hitter per nine, which is just not what you expect. Uh, or one hitter per inning, excuse me, which is not what you expect for a guy with his talent. He's got like a 4.30 ERA, and the Mets are going to be pricing him as he's an ace, and it's just not the way he's pitching. So I don't think they're going to be able to uh, find a common ground there. But if I was trading a guy like that, I would probably need, you know, a ready now either top quality bat or starting pitcher, and they're just not going to get that. And then, of course, the article that you did on MLB.com where you made predictions on certain players – you have the A's getting Marcus Stroman. How are you still feeling about that? Well, I think it makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, the A's have a very good infield defense, which makes sense for a guy like Stroman, who's a ground ball pitcher. Uh, he's pitching very well. The A's are clearly in the playoff hunt, and they could definitely use a starting pitcher. And it just makes a lot of sense to me. If you think about the A's having made moves like this before, when it's appropriate. We remember when they traded for John Lester and Jason Hamill and Jeff Samarja, and they didn't all work out, obviously. Uh, but they have shown the inclination to be aggressive when the time is right. And the way the teams have played over the last couple of weeks and with how close they are, you know, not they're not going to catch Houston, I don't think, but they are in a wild card spot right now. I think they have to be aggressive. Uh, and the Strowman fit just makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and you know Billy Bean and David Forrest, when, when, when they feel they're in it, they will make moves. Uh, Strowman's under control. What kind of haul do you think it will take to get him? Um, a lot. I mean, the Blue Jays aren't going to give him up for nothing. I, I'm not, you know, an avid follower of the minor leagues, so I'm not going to, you know, say a bunch of names, but I can say this. I don't think there's going to be a lot of starting pitching available. Like Bauer, like we said, is probably not going to move. I'd be su very surprised now if the Giants move Madison Bumgarner. He's probably not going anywhere. I don't know that the Tigers are going to move Matthew Boyd. The Mets probably aren't going to move Syndergaard. Who is actually out there if you're looking for a starting pitcher? You know, he's probably the most interesting name available, uh, and they are rightfully going to ask for a lot for him. Yeah, Farhan Zaidi's in a really tough deal because he's got an aging team. He's got an expensive team. He doesn't have a lot in the minor league system, but all of a sudden the Giants have caught fire, and then there's the emotion of Bruce Bochy's last year. And I wonder, are the Giants one of the reasons why we haven't seen a lot of movement? Because they not only have Madison, but they have the relievers that you want. And they're in that dilemma, should we should we stay in it or should we sell? Yeah, they've certainly made it a lot more complicated, haven't they? But I don't think this is going to be as tough for Zaddy as you think. Because 
partially because he's the new guy and because he's obviously so well-versed in the analytics, he's not going to let the emotion uh, kind of wave over his grand plan. But I think there is a way that he can kind of split the needle here. You know, he, he can uh, keep Bumgarner, which I think he'll do because obviously he, he means so much to this franchise and to this fan base. Uh, and then you can still say, okay, we're going to keep him. We're going to try to see and ride this out. But at the same time, he has so many talented relievers that you can still trade a Will Smith and you can still trade, you know, a Tony Watson and have a strong relief core, maybe even add some small moves. Why don't they go get Yasiel Puig for the next couple of months? It wouldn't cost them that much. I think this is going to be a team that's going to be shipping guys out and also bringing guys in at the same time. That would be hilarious to see Puig and Madison Bumgarner, two guys that can't stand each other in the same clubhouse. That would be awesome. Well, there's definitely a small part of me that's very much hoping for that, or at least for Max Muncy to be involved in some way. <laughs> Go get it out of the ocean. Uh, and I think about Puig. You know, Puig's an interesting player. And what would you give for Yasiel Puig, knowing that it's probably a rental deal? Not very much. You're not going to get a ton for him, as you said. He's a rental. Uh, he has been inconsistent. He had a really atrocious first four or five weeks of the season, uh, but he's been very good since then. And I know everybody thinks about Puig. They think about his behavior. As far as we could tell, he has been very well-behaved in Cincinnati. No problems whatsoever. Um, I think if you look at him and you say, this is a guy who's been red hot for like the last two months, he's a good outfielder. He's not going to cost that much. There are teams out there like Cleveland, absolutely Cleveland, you know, maybe Oakland, maybe Tampa Bay, who could desperately use another bat in the outfield slash DH. I think they will move him, but it's not going to be a big ticket return. Yeah, and you also mentioned Corey Dickerson for the A's from the Pirates. I, I like that a lot. It's almost shocking to me that Corey Dickerson hasn't been an A yet because he really just seems to fit that profile. He's a better defender than people think. Uh, he's an interesting platoon guy. You know, like Chris with the K. Davis has not had a great season. Piscotti has been hurt, hasn't had a great season. You know, Nick Martini is Chad Pender. These are guys who are somewhat easily replaceable. Uh, and it, it's going to be a low-cost acquisition. Like, he is not going to acquire a huge return from the Pirates. I think that's the kind of move you'll see uh, Oakland make on the hitting side. From a hitting standpoint, do you think we'll see any big names moved? Yeah, it's probably going to be a little bit disappointing. There is no Manny Machado watch this year. You know, there's no J.D. Martinez watch like we've had in past years. If you look at the the best hitters right now, either they've all signed extensions like, you know, Mike Trout just did, uh, or the guys who are impending free agents just aren't going to be moved. Like Washington is not going to trade Anthony Rendon, you know, and a lot of the teams that are at the bottom of their divisions are there for a reason because they just don't have that much to offer. You're not going to get much of a bat out of uh, Baltimore because I don't think they're going to trade Trey Mancini. You're not getting any bats out of Miami. So that might be somewhat disappointing. I think you're going to see mostly relievers uh, and a couple of interesting bench bats, but if the best bat moved is, I don't know, Nick Castellanos, that's somewhat disappointing because uh, that's not going to be, I don't think, terribly interesting as far as the fans go. I know. Last offseason, it was supposed to be incredible free agency. That didn't happen. And now with the trading deadline being a, a hard deadline and the waiver process being gone in August, this was supposed to be a crazy time for trades. And we, we, we're, not getting, we're not getting a lot of action. Well, the Giants are definitely screwing that up a little bit. You know, nobody expected this. I think what's happening is in the National League, you've had so many teams that are on the borderline of being in or out, and you're just starting to see this shake out a little bit, right? Like uh, the Reds, I think, are very clear sellers now where they were in a week ago. The Rockies, the Pirates, the Mets. These are teams where it's becoming pretty clear what they're going to have to do, the Padres uh, as well. And I, I think you you have these teams that they couldn't really sell 
while they thought maybe they could go for it. And now that it's becoming a little more obvious, they're not going to be in it this year. Uh, the, the time for moves is coming. I agree with you. It's, it hasn't been terribly exciting so far, but I really expect like the final three days of the month to be something else. We had Rick White on, the president of the Atlantic League, earlier today on the show. It was fascinating, talking about all the things they're doing with Major League Baseball. How much are you monitoring what they're doing in the Atlantic League, change that eventually could possibly happen in Major League Baseball? A little bit. Right now we're all focusing on the trades, obviously. Uh, it, it's pretty interesting to see how the uh, quote-unquote robot ump is working out. It seems like it was well-received uh, to start with, obviously, some bugs that would need to be worked out. I kind of like some of the weirder ones. Like, I don't actually think you're ever going to see in Major League Baseball the idea uh, of stealing first base, you know, but it's kind of fun because it's such a fascinating idea. And if you just think about it brief in a second, you realize, like, all the possibilities that could open up. Because you think about it, and your initial thought is, oh, well, if it's a 2-0 count and there's a ball in the dirt, should I go to first base or should I try to stay and keep my 3-0 count, which is a huge advantage for me. And then if the pitchers think that way, do they stop throwing balls in the dirt and just start throwing more hittable strikes? And does that move the game along? And you can see that it's like a whole can of worms here. So I don't know if I even like it. I don't think it's going to come to Major League Baseball. But I do love that there's like a testing ground for innovative ideas. You know, people like to say, don't change the game. The game is perfect. It's just not true. The game has changed. It's changed so many times over the years, and it will keep changing. There's always room for improvement, I think, and it's kind of fun to see these interesting ideas. Okay, so my my producer, Cody, wants to ask this question. Uh, So just picture this. A's and Angels are playing its extra innings. They get through the 12th inning, still tied 3-3. He wants to stop the game, and then you pick a guy for home run derby. And you get 10 outs like they used to do. So basically, after 12, you stop the game, and then you got home run derby between Matt Chapman and Mike Trout, and whoever hits more home runs is the winner of the game. What do you think of that? I think I would push it out a little bit past 12, you know, maybe 15. Uh, I am in favor. It's not going to be home run derby, right? But I am in favor of something that prevents regular season games from going 18, 20, 22 innings, five, six, seven hours long. Uh, it ruins the, the next couple of days for the team. No one actually wants to see it. Uh, 12 is too soon. I still think you have some interesting baseball before that. But if you want to give me an idea that says, okay, after 14, after 15, we're done. Home run derby is a little weird, but I, I'm, I'm down for it. Maybe just ties are fine. Ah, he's got a big smile on his face. So you're saying there's a chance. All right. I want to, I want to, I want to end on this. I, I, of course, you know, working for the A's and doing what we're doing, uh, very inventive. We're the we're the only team that has this, right? We're the only team that has a, has. We're on the TuneIn app. We have a twenty four seven station. We, we're the only live show like this in baseball. So innovation's great, and I, that's why I love my favorite show on MLB Network is MLB Now. I think Brian Kinney and everybody that goes on there is fabulous. I think you're great on that show. What's it like being on that show? Because I really think for true baseball fans, it's by far the best baseball show we got on television. Yeah, I appreciate that. I cannot say enough about everybody who works there. And it's, it's not just, you know, Brian Kenny, obviously, and John Hayman, and all the people who are on the air. Uh, it's all the producers. They, they do such phenomenal work, the stats guys, all of it behind the scenes. And it's really cool. I mean, I know that Brian Kenny's style isn't necessarily for everyone, but I can't think of anyone who has done more over the years to put quote-unquote nerds like me on TV. You know, and, and I can't thank them enough for the experience that it's offered me now that I'm, 
you know, fortunate enough to call some of these games for ESPN. You know, like the very first time I was on TV uh, was basically over there. And it, it's been such a good learning experience. And it's cool. You know, you get a little bit of a heads up uh, about what the topics are today. Everybody gets a chance to have their input. For me, they usually have like a little one-on-one segment about like a cool stat cast topic. Um, and it, over the years, it's like it's not even uh, – you're not even nervous to go on TV anymore. It's just like a normal thing to do. And that experience right there is so valuable, not just to myself, but to so many other people uh, like me. It's a great way to get some new voices into the baseball conversation. So I can't say enough about it for sure. Well, you're a great follow on Twitter. I check you out every single day. We really appreciate you stopping by, and we talk about your articles all the time. So uh, we'd love to have you on the show again. Thanks, guys. And I said that's one favor. If you have any pull with the A's, and if you could get them to wear the Kelly Green jerseys every single night, I would be so happy about it. They're the most beautiful things in sports, and it's, it's really all I want is for that to happen every night. Done. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Have a great night. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Mike Petrello right here on A's Cast Live. Yeah, he is. Mike underscore Petrello is his, uh, is his handle. He is very good, and he's good on TV. He's good on his podcast. Telling you, we're bringing you the biggest names in the game. We're bringing you stars. We're bringing you the people that are the the the, the brains. You're getting everything here on A's Cast Live. And coming up next, we will have buying or selling, and we're giving away four diamond level seats for tomorrow's action. I have a question for you. And if you can answer it and be the first one to text in at 510-897-1322, you will win the tickets. Right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Have you heard uh, back from our boss? I sent the message. We'll uh, we'll see how fast. He's a millennial. Oh, there it is. Let's see. What do you say? Yay or nay? Yay. Yay. All right. So here's how we're going to do it. I've got four diamond level seats. I'm going to break them into a pair of two. So here's what you have to do. You can either win them on the text line or you can win them on Twitter. On Twitter, we're at Athletics Cast 24. That's at Athletics Cast 24. The text line 510-897-1322. Whoever answers this first on the text line, you'll get two. And whoever answers it first on Twitter, you'll get two. Here is the question. Earlier today, we had on the president of the of the Atlantic League, and we talked about all the great. <coughs> I'm choking. Rick White of the Atlantic League, the president, said all these great things that are going on, and how everything's great. But I asked him, "What's the one thing that he thinks isn't working?" And he said, "There's one thing." that the players don't like. What's that one thing? The first person to text it at 510-897-1322, you'll win two. And then the first one who sends it 
to our A's Cast Twitter account. That's at AthleticsCast24. We'll win two. What's the one thing that the players don't like about the changes in the Atlantic League? Is that good? We good? All right, you ready for a little uh, buying or selling, Commander Cody? Do you want to do that, or do you want to do, or should we sneak in that Bauer sound we teased three hours? Oh ago? my God, Trevor Bauer! So Trevor Bauer made a bet about how he's going to negotiate contracts. Does it explain it all? It's it's a minute and a half, but yes, it does. Trevor Bauer is a nut, and I love him. And you have another bet that if you sign a multi-year deal, yes, you have to get shot in the nuts. Mm-hmm. With a paintball gun from 10 feet. Yes. Under what influence was this bet made? Just me talking Dead sober. Mm-hmm. You don't oh, yeah, t- I've never been drunk. I was going to so. say, yeah. All of you- it's dead sober. <laughs> <laughs> and who is this bet with? Uh, my best friend, Mike Boyden. And when was this made? 2012 or 13. So you were drafted in 2011, is that right? So a year into your professional career, mm-hmm. you made a bet with your best friend that you would never sign a multi-year deal. Mm-hmm. You do realize that he probably would not hold up his end of the bet, right? Of course right? he wouldn't, but I remember. So, Like, you could, you could change... Do, do, <laughs> this seems like a potential cutting off the nose to spite your face situation. Why? That's the most, that's the most, uh, there's, there's no downside for me other than the money. Yeah. I'm always going to be on a contender. I'm always going to have a chance to win a ring. Mm-hmm. I can stay loyal to one organization as long as they're willing to, to pay that and, and help them build their farm system, help them build their player development, help all the stuff that I'm interested in. What, what's the downside? Did the Indians let you do that? We'll see. So it was Trevor Bauer last year with Jeff Passan when he was then with Yahoo on his Yahoo podcast talking about essentially that if he ever signed a multi-year deal, his best friend gets to shoot him in the nuts with a paintball gun from 10 feet away. And that just, like I said, I'm reading the book about Trevor Bauer and, and the MVP machine. He is a fascinating guy. And that's, uh, that's an understatement with the word fascinating. So, Yeah, he's a smart guy. But he rubs people the wrong way. That's a big part of the book. How he ru- he's a, you know, the label a bad teammate. You know, he was traded out only after like half a season with the Diamondbacks. But it, the label's a bad teammate. All that stuff keeps coming up. But he's just a, a, a very curious guy, and he and he's he's really changed his, his um the way he pitches, and it's it's showing the last couple of years. Yeah, and. I believe it was Mark Grace, the former Cub and D-back first baseman, that said if you want to maximize full potential in Major League Baseball, it's just sign one-year deals. I mean, just be a hired gun. And every year you're a free agent. Because if you're good, every year they're going to want you. Somebody's going to say, if you say, hey, listen, this is my deal. I mean, this is total confidence. And also, they said, I mean, he's already made. How much money has he already made? And that's the thing you got to realize. A lot of these guys, they will have already made enough money. That's far more money that either me or you will ever make in their lifetime, right? Look at the money these guys make out of the draft. 
and I'm stalling because I'm trying to go to his baseball reference. There's a part in the book where the the Mariners said they wanted to draft him, and he ended up going number three, the Diamondbacks. When they said they wanted to draft him, his agent told them that he won, I think it was like $12 million for the signing, the sign with the Mariners out of the draft. And they're like, no thanks. They took Danny Holson, who was never pitching the majors. And then he went to the Diamondbacks three. As of, as of right now, career to date, he's made almost $30 million. Trevor Bauer doesn't have to worry about money. But he keeps signing one-year deals. What are you showing me? I was saying we got a couple minutes. We want to do buying or selling. We have like two minutes. I don't know. We got about. We can go to about fifty-nine. I, I can. All right. I can manipulate the clocks here. I'm gonna take a paintball to your. Remember, I'm like genitalia. the. Remember, I'm like the program director of this show right now. So. No, you're the project manager. Yeah. All right. Everybody good. gets a project. <laughs> Fair enough. Everybody gets a project, but me. I don't get projects. Well, you have to. You have to control what what I do. So you're the project manager of me. Well, that's why I'm taking you to get beer. Yeah. See, there you go. All right. Let's 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 just do it. All right. It's time for Buying or Selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. So we do have a winner on the text line. I don't know. I don't I don't control A's Cast Live, our uh, Twitter page, so I don't know. We have a winner. I'm waiting for them to DM me, so we do have a winner on Twitter as well. Getting your DMs? Yeah, they're sliding into our DMs, as the kids say. The millennials <laughs> say. <laughs> All right, what do you got? All right. Uh, Mike mentioned this, and you, we, you and I discussed this off the air, uh, pre-show meeting, green room, as they say. I was going to throw it out there because we only have like three and a half minutes. Buying or selling Yasiel Puig as an Oakland athletic? Oh, I'm buying. God, Puig as an A would be great. Puig is just, he's crazy good. He's a little nutty, but that's fine. That fits in. His his playfulness, that, that fits the A's clubhouse. Right? I completely agree. I, th- I think having Puig here will be a huge draw. And it, it brings back the fan base that loves Cespedes. And Puig, I think Puig, if he is focused and, and he's motivated enough, I think he's a better player than Cespedes. But Okay, put Puig in right. Piscotty gets back. Put him in left. There you go. Makes you more right-handed. But I, I would take I would take Puig in a second. The Yankees are very left, uh, right-handed. So. Hashtag Puig's your friend. Yeah, there you go. Big friends, uh, good friends with Jared Goff also. Uh, all right, let's go to this one because we're quickly running out of time. Mike Trout is at it again. There's only, he's only been played 14 games this month, but he already has three separate streaks of three homers in three straight games. I'm buying whatever it is. Trout has 33 <laughs> home runs this year. Buying or selling Trout left 50 home runs this season. I'm, but I'm buying. Trout's the greatest player I've ever seen. I mean, the Angels' record is 47 by Troy Gloss. I, Trout's, Trout's amazing. Trout is absolutely amazing. All right, well, let's do this as the last one. Not only if you heard the song, but Gerardo Parra from the Nationals uses this song as his walk-up song. Buying or selling Baby Shark is the best walk-up song in Major League Baseball. What is this? It's a song that came out like 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 15 years ago. It's got to be a kids thing. Yeah, then they did like this Baby Shark challenge last year, and it got it went viral. Now like just you just do like this, like you'll see people at sharks games, how they do the jogging. Yeah. You'll see people do like the. It's not like this for a baby. I'm buying. Everybody in the stands is laughing at that. Uh, the the entire stadium at, at uh, Nationals Park was going crazy doing it. It's like Careless Whisper and Josh Reddick. Josh Reddick. You do something like that, the fans absolutely love it. Are we we done? 
Yeah, that, that, we'll end on that one. I'll oh. save the Bonds one. We're going to save on Oh, it's Bonds' birthday today. Yeah, so the question was, Bonds turned 55 today. He has three years left of eligibility. Uh, buying or selling, Bonds will get into the Hall of Fame in the next three years. Selling. By the way, the last time I saw Bonds, wow, he's lost a lot of weight. I wonder why. Uh, that'll do it for the show. Oh, I love it. Ripping Barry. Oh, if you really knew Barry, oh, my God. That is going to do it for A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Do we know what's coming up next on A's Cast? Are we replaying the game? We are replaying today's game. I'm going to tell you, I think Justin Verlander is going to pitch well. That is coming up next. We'll see you all tomorrow at 4 o'clock right here on A's Cast Live. Have a great night, everybody. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.